I'd say the core of Leonard Schilling's argument is that um, artists, they, they basically see further than other people, right? Uh, they see ahead when it comes to inventions that might come along. They, they, they see ahead, in, in the case of art and physics spe specifically, he limits most of his discussion to uh, uh, physics, to like how, how people understand like reality, I guess, on a more kind of scientific level. Um, but but I, I think maybe he would agree that you'd have the same kind of application to, you know, psychology, right? Uh, you know, uh -huh. writers could sort of, you know, see ahead. But but the idea is always uh, uh, artists, they, they tend to an anticipate movements, changes in society. They tend to anticipate uh, uh, changes in how reality gets, you know, perceived or, or, or you know, even understood. Um, and and uh, uh, the, qu the quote that I have from him, I believe this is from the introduction, uh, Leonard Schlein says that uh, I propose that the radical innovations of art embody the pre-verbal stages of new concepts that will eventually change a civilization. Um, and you know, j just with that alone, there's there's a lot to work with. Uh, and we're going to return to this quote again at the very end because I think depending on how you how you interpret it, you know, perhaps there's there's also something to to uh, uh, critique here, but. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, I mean, that's, that's my impression of the books kind of like fundamental argument. Uh, I'm not sure Joel, like if you have anything you want to add or maybe some details to, uh, fill in about that. I think that's exactly it. And he talks about this, this prefiguring of, of physics being, you know, another organizer of perceptions. And, and this is another quote that you and I agreed to, to talk about is that for Schlein, uh, the way he argues it, both art and physics serve to organize society's perceptions or, or one's perceptions, the individual. And so I, th I think that that generally is the crux of his argument. And as we get into the specific examples, he does a good job, I think, uh, elaborating upon this and showing that certain artists individually and then certain overall movements in art do a, do have this visionary quality and sometimes it happens well in advance of the the scientific movements sometimes it seems to happen almost concurrently and then in the the next episode we do we'll probably talk about how um you know it, it, then maybe for a while now there's even been a bit of stagnation in terms of uh, a stoppage point for the moment until things move forward again. But uh, I think that's generally, generally it. So do we want to talk a little bit about his statement of serving to organize perceptions uh, as well and what he maybe means by that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't you just like uh, kick that off then? Um, you know, th this, this concept of, of organized perception, how it relates to physics, how it relates to uh, the arts. Right. So I think your initial quote, it was part of, of my understanding of Schlein's posit here where art can make the, the mental models and the images for things that society is still in an infantile state of knowing about. Uh, perhaps it doesn't even really know anything about. There's, there's a sort of intuition or, uh, or uh, you know, a, a zeitgeist or a movement going on. And so when he talks about the organization of perception, I, I think he what he's trying to do is, is separate 
that a little bit from talking about reality itself, because when when we think about these these concepts that we'll dig into more with what artists are communicating through their work and then what physicists and other science scientists and branch of science are working on, um, you know, that that doesn't really feel like the real world to a lot of people. Um, you know, they, they don't think about these things in, in like the workaday life that they have. And so I think that's where he's talking about societal perception factoring in, uh, essentially, that this is a way that, that society can kind of organize itself, that uh, whether whether the average person realizes it or not, the current of understanding is moving along and, and bringing them with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but that, but that, that is, is kind of the purview of these higher pursuits with, with art and the sciences that they can, they can conjure up per perceptions uh, of things that reality doesn't seem to, to actually represent to us uh, in, in life. And it gets very esoteric, you know, by the time that we get to cubism and, and, those artistic and, and physics movements later on, um, you know, is this very divorced from how how we experience the world uh, itself. So, um, yet it's it's still important to understand what might be going on underneath the surface. Mm -hmm. Those those are my initial takes. What about you? Yeah, um, I, I'm just going to read uh, the entire quote uh, uh, to people so that they, they they sort of see where it is contextually and you know perhaps uh, what it means because I you know I, I think there's a few ways that you could really uh, interpret this this uh, statement right and and I, I think uh, um, you know some of the maybe kind of like smaller shortcomings of the book uh, uh, perhaps maybe kind of uh, emerge from from this quote so um, this is, uh, I, I believe it's in the introduction. It, it's uh, in my hardcover edition. It's pages 15 through 16. Um, the full quote reads, Yet despite what appear to be irreconcilable differences, there is one fundamental feature that solidly connects these disciplines. Revolutionary art and visionary physics are both investigations into the nature of reality. Roy Lichtenstein, the pop artist of the 1960s, declared, quote, Organized perception is what art is all about. Sir Isaac Newton might have said as much for physics. Uh, he too was concerned with organizing perceptions. While their methods differ radically, artists and physicists share the desire to investigate the ways the interlocking pieces of reality fit together. Um, and I mean, yeah, like I, uh, I, 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 I agree, I, I guess, with uh, the core posit being made, but. I guess my question is uh, the way that I would understand the phrase like organizing of perceptions or, or even the, the, you know, the, 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 the word perceptions, um, it, you know, is that the same inter interpretation that Leonard Schlein would have of that word in the way that he's using it? Is, mm -hmm. is it a way that artists would, would, would understand that word? Because um, when I, uh, when I, when I think of, uh, you know, just when, when I, when I think of perceptions, like what exactly are you referring to? What exactly are you privileging? Are, are you, are you talking about perception in the kind of like very base, you know, like biological sense of, uh, 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 seeing, are you talking about perception in terms of something that is wrapped in with like meaning and like multiple interpretations? Um, so, so. Uh, 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 you know, 
is there one like objective, like reorganizing of the senses? And the reason why I'm questioning this is uh, when I started reading more about aesthetics uh, in the past uh, year, year or two, I kind of noticed like very quickly that there's a very big difference between the study of art and the study of aesthetics in the sense that aesthetics, like aesthetic experience, are like we're talking about perception. We're talking about sensory experience. We're talking about uh, 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 qualities of experience that are very different from like, you know, building of, of meaning and interpretation based on like teasing out pieces of evidence, like in, you know, a, a text or, or a painting before you. So, um, uh, and you know the, the the fact that I can't quite tell in this book where you know Leonard Schlein himself might stand you know on, on this question like it's 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 something that uh, should be defined and I you know I think there are a number of things that could be a little bit uh, better defined in the book but uh, immediately you know that was my response it's like yeah I would agree with this kind of you know interpretation of, of the arts but but. Uh, I'm not. I'm not so sure that everyone else has the same kind of, you know, uh, uh, definitions in, in in their heads, right? Are are they making these kinds of distinctions, right, between perception, interpretation, and and, and meaning, and 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 would they make those distinctions? Do they care about these distinctions? Like, it, does that, you know, uh, inform their, you know, inter interpretation of, of the arts in a way that perhaps, you know, doesn't really matter to me? So. Um, you know, th those are the questions that I would have just, just reading that. Right. And I think something you said toward the end there, do people really parse this out? Do they really care all that much? And, and I think it does get to the, uh, the idea that Shalane talked about where it's, a lot of these things are, they're, they're nonverbal maybe, or they're more intuitive. You know, people can't, if, if you're not an artist, it's hard to articulate, maybe impossible to articulate some of these concepts uh, and ideas and people, may or may not really even benefit from trying to do so. And therefore they, they just let it pass. Um, you know, when they, when they come across an artwork and go off of the first layer or maybe two of, uh, of interpretation or quote organizing of their, their perceptions of what they're seeing within that work. But um, I agree with you on, on, on this, you know, idea of like some of Shlane's posits and, and the core questions that he's, uh, that he's asking could be a bit better defined and, and that would help us because we don't know exactly what he, what he means by the organization of perceptions. But I, I think the most important thing is still this, this visionary quality that he points out in excellent artists and, and what they're able yeah. to do, uh, whether, whether they themselves can also articulate this is a question. Um, we'll have like a, obviously through the paintings themselves, but then maybe even a couple pull quotes from, the book and and uh, art historians or, and artists themselves talking about this in a in a fashion yeah yeah um but this is a question that i had uh, do, do you think uh that Schlein's ideas and we sort of touched on this earlier i guess but do, do you think Schlein's ideas as defined here right like our art moves uh, uh essentially as um uh uh Kind of like uh, I think he phrases it as um, what, what was the exact quote? Um, uh, oh, uh, like it's the distant early warning system of the collective thinking of society, right? So, like uh, uh, it's 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 telling you that something is coming. You have to you have to sort of pay attention. Um, uh, 
do do you think this applies to you know uh, other arts or like other things in life and uh why why do you think Schlein maybe might have been so kind of like hyper specific um uh, on on just the, the concept of of art and physics besides the fact that it's you know the title of his book like yeah i get it this this ought to be the the, the focus but i i do find it curious that um, I had to sort of supply this uh, 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 idea that, well, here's how William Blake might do it in terms of psychological meaning, right? Here's how, you yep. know, uh, not non-visual artists might, you know, uh, prefigure reality in some way. I find it curious that, like, nowhere in the book does he actually, like, explicitly suggest this, when to me it's like, it, it seems like a pretty obvious uh, observation to make, given, you know, what he's kind of uh, built up already in the book. Yeah, so I have a couple of thoughts on that. Number one, I think that uh, Schlein is, is running with this to the utmost because it's the insight that he had, right? So uh, he, I think he talks in the introduction about you know, being in an art museum, uh, what was it with his daughter, uh, something like mm -hmm. that maybe, and, and uh, beginning to have these insights about the connections between art prefiguring movements uh, in, you know, in, in the sciences. And so you know, he's filtering everything through this lens and, and kind of has to make it fit in the framework of the book, whether it does or does not. And, and again, you and I, I think, agree that in the first half of the book, it's, it's pretty successful, and then it loses some steam, uh, you know, once he gets especially into the more contemporary modern age and tries to kind of retrofit these things. But, um, you know, I think the other piece of it is that uh, Schlein is, he's not an artist himself. It's important for, for anyone who hasn't read the book to understand, you know, he's a doctor, by trade. And so, um, you know, he's, he's going to come at it, the whole thing from a, a scientist's perspective, more so with an interest in art and, and a, a decent understanding of art. But there's no question that um, when we try to fit all of these examples and, and these movements uh, in, in art history and individual artists into this framework, it does miss some things. You know, he doesn't, um, he doesn't talk a whole lot about, uh, actual meaning of the artworks, uh, potential interpretations of them beyond simply this framework for art and physics, and, um, and anything more, you know, more, more nebulous than that, uh, I would say, and, and even like getting into the emotion of an artwork and these kind of things. Uh, there's, there's sprinklings where he talks about that, but um, I do think that's one of the, the book's shortcom shortcomings, and it's, it's not an you know, a proper art history book, right? But uh, and mm -hmm. he's got this interesting level of insight that hadn't been articulated that well before he wrote it down. But it does it does suffer a little bit from the narrowness. Yeah, although to me, like the the, the issue with the narrowness is more so that you know he doesn't have like three or four paragraphs somewhere saying, and by the way, this applies to, you know, all these other concepts. So go out and study it because, you know, here, here's the blueprint that I've given you. Um, you know, I, I think it makes sense in some level that, uh, you know, a, a book title or in physics, it's like, you, you first want to just have this one argument alone, much less bringing in like questions of William Blake and saying, oh, by the way, William Blake also prefigured, you know, um, uh, Freud and here's how. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. like, because th that's like a fresh set of arguments. Like first, let's settle the argument that as Shalane, you know, seems to propose in this book, like um, uh, the arts, like anything else, you know, they clearly have a material basis 
they're they're fulfilling some kind of function, even if you know this function is is not um, you know it's an unconventional function. It's a it's a function that that you know uh, uh, changes in how it looks, perhaps um, from you know century to century. Uh, it, uh, the, the kinds of things you're able to discover might change, or maybe even decelerate. I mean, uh, uh, one thing about uh, we said earlier about the end of the book is. Um, by the time you reach the end of the book, uh, uh, because like science has like as far as like like as far as knowing what are the uh, like the critical you know discoveries of the last fifty years, you know maybe some of that will be more apparent fifty years from now. So it's kind of hard to say exactly. Well, you know clearly you know this contemporary artist is responding to you know or presaging this or that you know contemporary discovery in the arts uh, i mean in the sciences or in psychology yeah. or, or 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 whatever right that's harder to do but you know i i i think it's good to at least get that argument out of the way does art have a material basis does it have some sort of trajectory even if you agree or disagree with the trajectory the question is fundamentally does it have a trajectory yes or no uh how you you know choose to respond to it you know is up to society but just getting it on that material grounding i i, I think i think this book uh did this uh, service uh you know very well and it was an important service mm -hmm. and you know uh, i'm not sure if uh, to dan schneider if this was the book that sort of molded or gave him like an aha moment when it comes to um you know uh, the arts uh more broadly you know but he but but dan did um uh say that this book you know is the book that um you know kind of like informed much of his early thinking right when he was growing up so um that's uh you know you know that th that's something else like there literally there really is like a blueprint here for something right um to, to yeah, uh, they work with yeah, there definitely is. And I think one of the other most important things that Shalane does here is um, for even a lay person with a general interest in art or the sciences, uh, there is a more concrete articulation of some of why art even exists or might be important, right? So if, if someone mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, not particularly interested in the arts, but then they like go to an art museum and they're looking at works and all they've really ever come into contact with is some kind of general discussion about, oh, so-and-so's use of color is uh, brilliant or beautiful, or uh, look at the way that Leonardo depicts this particular, the Madonna or something, right? And it's all just very, um, it's kind of dry and it, it sort of seems unimportant. I mean, Schlein does a good job of giving you consistent um, markers set down of here's in a more concrete sense, what this artist did with perspective, did mm -hmm. with light, did with color. And then here's a relation to what we now understand to be the, the core underpinnings of how the, the physical world, the, the cosmos operates. And it does, it elevates art. It gives this more grand sense. And it did to me when I first read the book, um, mm -hmm. you know, where you're like, okay, so I know that art, art is important uh, in a sense. And, uh, and yet, like when I read this, I was like, okay, here, this is a, a better, you know, we're covering more ground. We've, we've jumped a couple hurdles now in terms of the, the vocabulary that you could use, at least in this one sense, to relate art to something seemingly unrelated mm -hmm. uh, that, that gives it more, more thrust and more purpose. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's one of the, the best things the book does. Yeah. Um, uh, 
uh, just, just, just uh, w- one more thing. I, I was um, uh, before we get, I guess, to the, to the uh, uh, specifics. Um, so, uh, you know, some of the argument. Just to give one example that we're going to get into later. Uh, um, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Van Gogh, uh, Monet, Manet. They uh, sort of like prefigure Einstein's relativity because they kind of, you know, uh, show you, you know, for example, the example of um, um, Monet, uh, you could have like a cathedral painted in, you know, uh, 10 different, uh, I think maybe it's like, I forget, like 20 different paintings, like, uh, like, like, like 20 different ways, right? 20 different light, light settings. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, and, you know, th- that kind of dislocates the art, the arts, like from, time right like you're you're giving like multiple slices of of that kind of reality uh uh you notice like especially like starting with van gogh um van gogh kind of like to me is kind of like a you know the logical extension of uh of uh kind of like earlier impressionism um mm-hmm. and and you know you see like van gogh like really kind of sh- like you you see physically in the brush strokes right like um uh, uh things being elongated right mm-hmm. like just physical like crass material reality getting stretched out right that has implications like in, in terms of like you know uh seeing the world through einstein's like like special uh, relativity um and you know uh, one thing that it made me think of is well think of the ways that you know all these artists right whenever they have these like revolutionary changes in viewing the world um and also to some degree scientists that haven't yet experienced like you know the the, the thomas kuhn kind of like you know, uh, the paradigm shift, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they get laughed at, right? People point fingers, right? And and um, uh, uh, that's because like the, the sort of like intuition that they have is not so readily available to, you know, everyday perception. And the only way for that to change is you have to sort of like batter it, you know, batter, you know, uh, the gate in such a way until, you know, that sort of becomes a perception. And, um, you know, just, just, just thinking like, well, where does art and physics apply? Like, does it apply to any other parts of like uh, uh, reality? Well, I mean, like in genetics, for example, like we know that um, it's not like, like our genes are not optimized to, view the truth right or to like truly understand reality right like um uh, they are optimized in the sense that well we usually don't have to know what most um you know uh uh uh, uh, radiation in the world or in the universe looks like right uh so so you know uh, therefore you know we, we 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 haven't like sort of evolved any senses for for viewing uh uh radiation except like you know just like broad you know like like light spectrum uh, sort of stuff um so in that way like uh and also just making probabilistic judgment judge, judge, judgments right like if, if you're you know if, if you're walking down the street and it's night out um and your immediate fear is that you know you might get you know mugged or murder or whatever right that that that's really kind of like out of reality in the sense that probably you know what's going to happen to you if something bad happens to you it's not going to be that right it's probably going to be something else mm-hmm. um and, and, you know, uh, in that same way, like, you know, if human beings are not really finely tuned for 
understanding like true like underlying reality right outside of like what we're sort of built to understand for social reasons for reasons of like you know cohesion for reasons of like you know uh, uh evolutionary you know uh ad- you know adaptation and just being fit in that way um people are gonna laugh at that right like it you know it it it, it, it it's it sort of makes sense that uh, 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 any, you know, a great, great work of art, right. Um, that, that, that causes so much division as so many do, like when they're first kind of proposed or made, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you, you sort of see like societies, like, you know, uh, a mechanism to like, you know, we need the most safe outcome here. So we have to make like probabilistic judgments that are outside of reality. We have to say that Van Gogh is shit, right? We yeah, have to yeah. say Van Gogh is shit because, you know, the, the, anything else is just outside of prob- probability and we can't have that, right? We have mm-hmm. to, we have to like live according to, you know, kind of like a, a cage that, you know, we're sort of like, we're setting up for ourselves and also we don't see ourselves quite setting up because it's so kind of, you know, built into like the reality of like just day-to-day living, right? Like before you know it, like you're, in the middle age and you're in this kind of self-made cage right and yeah. I, I i think that's a good way of viewing uh what happens to a lot of these artists right so we know that literally we as organisms are not built for seeing underlying reality so if we are going to posit someone or a class of people that see ahead of reality as a function this is their job like for the species this is literally what their you know uh, role is um uh, uh uh you would expect that they they have to get whacked right they have to get whacked in some way to some degree right but eventually you know uh they have to be ascended as well or should be right this is the scary part is like what if you reach a, a situation where nothing and nobody is ever ascended any longer other than you know some you know like a, a completely fucked up like pelf you know system as dan right. would say <laughs> right yeah so i agree with you there and it does it's important to bear in mind that this is one of the the key functions of the great artists is to put society on their back and decide to have the will to, to carry out their vision and to really just carry people along with it. And, and obviously we get all these, uh, you know, instances and stories of like emotional difficulty and, and certain artists uh, kind of like welcome that challenge and rivalry and want to meet it head on. I think about someone like uh, Salvador Dali, right, who kind of just reveled in that role as an iconoclast and others who it it breaks down a bit more. But that is, you know, essentially what's going on and just forcing people to uh, to interact with with these ideas and and to, um, you know, in the sense of like art and, and physics, one of the key things that we'll see as we go through some of these specific paintings and examples and then like movements in, in the sciences as well is again, like people, people need to understand that there is a lot of cross-pollination that, that can and should happen. And Shalane claims, it seems pretty correctly that like up until now in history, uh, the two are like, in a sense, between the individual practitioners, non-overlapping magisteria a bit, right? That like the physicists aren't really aware of what the artists are, are, are attempting to say, and the artists aren't paying much attention to what's going on in the scientific realm. Uh, but these things are kind of like these movements are all just going along mm-hmm. at the same time. Maybe there's a future we can envision where there's more immediate cross pollination and uh, like, because information can travel so quickly now, uh, you know, this is more possible, mm-hmm. but, but it is important. Like, the, you know, again, just moving art 
uh, beyond simply the, the realm of pure expression uh, and communication of emotion and ideas, respectively. Um, you know, if, if, if it has some sort of influence on Max Planck or Albert Einstein or, or whoever is going to be making these discoveries in the scientific realm that then carries on to engineers and technology and all these things that we have now. Do, do you um, think it's it, a question it of, a of influence, though? Like you use the word influence, like it would have an influence on Einstein. Um, mm-hmm. Like, did, like, did, did you view the the book as arguing for uh, uh, th- this is how artists uh, end up influencing, uh, uh, you know, everybody that comes after them, or did you view it as you know whether or not, like, e- like even if you were going to like take M- Monet and Manet and Van Gogh and you like lock them up in in a, in a box somewhere, all their paintings and nobody gets to see them. You know, eventually maybe we would still have a scientific discovery, but still for whatever reason, this locked away art, like it presaged that discovery for whatever reason. Like, like mm-hmm. how, how did you view that question? Did you view it one as influence or one of like kind of inevitability in some way? Yeah, more the latter. So like in, in Schlein's argument and in the book, one of inevitability, but what I'm saying is potentially in the future, there could be more of that direct influence and and cross-pollination if like, if scientists and artists become more co-aware of each Mm -hmm. other and and what's going on. But then if we're going to stick with so much Lane's core posits, we'd still say overall, most likely the artists and the artistic community is what's going to be putting some of these, you know, these um, ideas in motion to then be interacted with, uh, you know, at, at some point. Um, so yeah, yeah. Hopefully that answers your question. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I would, uh, uh, agree with that, um, assessment. Um, I mean, we could get into the specifics of like the, the movements and like the historical periods, if you'd like, uh, I, I have some notes on uh, Plato and like Euclidean space. Um, mm-hmm. if you, if you have anything to say about that, maybe, uh, uh or maybe I could start, I mean, um, like, uh, uh, I don't know if you have anything to, like substantive to say about that or, or what. Well, why don't you start in with your notes or comments and, and I'll just riff okay. on it and respond as we go through. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when we had, uh, uh, so, so, uh, the, the way that, um, uh, Shlaine, uh, ends up, um, uh, discussing this is like he he puts you know uh, uh, classical thinkers and classical artists into a certain category. He puts medieval thinkers and artists into a, a, a different category. Um, and one thing that he calls uh, uh, like like when he talks about Plato, for example, right? He's he's trying to understand okay, what is the kind of Greek model. What is perhaps the model that you know implicitly might be uh, taken up by by the Romans at least to, to some degree, and he 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 chooses this quote as like representative of, of like the era, um, and uh, he, he quotes Plato as, as calling time uh, the quote uh, moving image of this changeless eternity, um, and. Uh, my issue a little bit, I guess, with that quote, uh, at least with the way that it's used is just like with like discussing perception or perceptions or whatever, or, you know, having the, these terms that are not fully like defined or, or fleshed out. Um, I mean, you, you could interpret uh, the moving image of this changeless eternity uh, in, in different ways, depending on how you, you know, 
defined a, a phrase as ambiguous, right? As the moving image of anything, right? Or yeah. a changeless eternity. Does Plato literally mean that this thing never in any way changes? Uh, this rock never changes. What happens to this rock? You know, if I break it into into, into half, right? Uh, who knows exactly what you know the nitty gritty uh, opinion is? But um, uh, Leonard Schlein chooses this as, as an interpretation of the ancient world, right? Their conception of time, right? Classical Greece is is a time as the moving image of this changeless eternity. Um, and, and then he gets into this idea of Euclidean uh, space, right? So uh, Euclid, uh, with his uh, work on, on uh, geometry, um, uh, once he introduced this idea of like three-dimensional space and, you know, I, I guess like uh, formal theorems for what it in fact entails in a kind of, I guess, uh, idealized way and in, in ways that are, you know, useful for human beings, um, you know, that, that was like this new formalized way of, of viewing the world. Um, and, you know, we have like this like cliche of like uh, Greek uh, rationalism. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, th th this concept, like, you know, maybe people might be kind of like uh, a, a little bit uh, uh, um, uh, intimidated by these phrases. But I mean, like when we say Euclidean space, like let's just think of it just purely you know that right like if 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 you if you think of euclidean space as just literally like geometry lines and planes and and you know uh, rectangles and cubes and rectangular prisms and, and 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 spheres um and then you think of like well what does you know uh, uh greek art look like mm -hmm. um suddenly like certain things start to make sense right like okay so if if we believe the assertion and i think it's a correct assertion that um uh having uh uh euclid's geometry uh like it it did open up a new way of viewing things of organizing perceptions right as as um lichtenstein might, might say um well what kind of art, you know, might you expect to have? And, you know, to me, th this was always like a perfect example. This is like a, um, uh, I, 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 now that I'm viewing this, uh, I'm guessing that it's actually sort of broken apart. I guess I saw some sort of like reconstructed uh, uh, fresco or something in, um, or, or relief rather, in, in uh, uh, Greece. Uh, I think when I visited one of the temples, I forget which temple it was, where you basically have this like work of art where Apollo is standing um, as this kind of, you know, central figure, like it, just in the middle uh, of, of these sculptures. Mm -hmm. um, he is, you know, just kind of like, you know, just all kind of planes and, and, and uh, um, uh, rectangles and boxes, right? Uh, he's kind of, you know, standing fully erect. His arm is here, here. You know, he's kind of like extending his arm across, right? Um, mm -hmm. as, if, as if he's saying that, that, you know, everything before me, and this is like uh, defeating the centaurs, uh, um, uh, like everything before me, like needs to cease, like, and everything around him, like everything around this kind of plane, like the, the, the eye, even if you have all this trash all around you, the eye immediately goes to Apollo. He's yep. like the, 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 this figure that seems to control everything, right? Not only by his posture and by his planes, but the fact that everything else around him, you know, is this mess, right? So, um, you know, I, I started thinking about this and, uh, it, you know, it seems to me almost as if like uh, Greek art in some ways, like it just might be an overcompensation for just like the art of it. This is not attacking Greek art. This applies to any work of art. 
any work of art of any period seems like it's just an overcompensation for a new way of viewing the world, whether or not this is a good way, a bad way, whatever. Uh, it's mm -hmm. an overcompensation yeah. in the sense that because this thing is completely new, it wasn't considered really before, it didn't really affect society anymore. We're now going to make everything kind of like center around this idea, this thing. So um, the, 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 and, and like the, the fact that today, if somebody were to, you know, I don't want to say like redo this, obviously that, that wouldn't work either, but you know, I, like, Typically, like in modern visual art, especially like, you know, in the last hundred years, um, an over-reliance on like typical, like um, uh, typical Euclidean space, Euclidean geometry, and like, you know, an over-reliance on like lines and planes, uh, that would like, like it, it, it would at least to a lot of observers like feel kind of trite, right? Um, <laughs> there has to be this kind of pushback against it, which, you know, it, it makes sense to me how in the end, like to, to go in the opposite direction, right? Abex came the worst of Abex is kind of like, you know, you know, fuck Euclidean space. Like we're, we're past Euclidean space and, and we're going to even push back cubism, right? We're now okay. going to, you know, go into this kind of pure formlessness, which I guess, you know, is the opposite of Euclidean space. And, you know, uh, again, you know, simply because like nobody thought that you could just drip randomly uh, on a canvas that could be art, you know, suddenly we're going to, you know, start pushing that envelope because we have to see, you know, how far can we, you know, stray and how far can we get from consensus until, you know, consensus ultimately like uh, reels us back in. So, you know, uh, when I think of Euclidean space as it applies to, to the ancient world, uh, I would add to um, Leonard Schlein's discussion, like the, these kinds of, I guess, um, uh, uh, these kinds of uh, uh, ideas. Um, I'm not sure if you have anything to say about that uh, or, or what. I, I've been talking too long already. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think you're you're pretty spot on there in terms of like once um, once these ideas took hold, and then so much essentially the entirety of of Greek art and architecture from antiquity is is reduced to a few Euclidean forms as well, right? So it's it's the cylinder, it's the sphere, it's the cone, it's the rectangle or or cube, and like everything has its its proper place, and that. These were also reflections of how uh, how the heavens operated, right? Mm -hmm. Like the world of the gods must be this uh, similarly fi these fixed forms, mm -hmm. and they, they're probably arranged in such and such a pleasing symmetrical uh, you know way, and and therefore like let's do everything we do down here. Let's mimic uh, what that's probably like up there with our temples and and so on and so forth. So these ideas kind of um, kind of take hold, but then uh, but then everything becomes that for a time and uh you know until we get some some revisions uh which we'll talk about here in a, in a bit in terms of like perspective and uh and how how forms actually exist in space and move through space and have depth and dimension um you know it just it, it just stays that way for a while so it did uh, i don't know it, it did freeze frame uh you know a bit of of the artistic world after that. And obviously mm -hmm. like this, this Euclidean space concept still, uh, I, I would argue is still highly prevalent even today. Uh, you know, I mean, Schlein is going to demonstrate and we'll talk about mm -hmm. art movements that, that like come, come along with, um, you know, Newton and Galileo and then eventually Einstein with relativity and, and then quantum uh, physics and stuff. But like a lot of that stuff is, is still pretty unknown 
uh, I would say, you know, to a lot of people, again, I just, just either choose not to or, or haven't interacted with it. And so uh, the Euclidean concept still makes makes sense. And then there's still like this heavy uh, praise for Greek and Roman art uh, mm-hmm. from antiquity. And again, like you said, not that there shouldn't be, like obviously there's merit to it, but um, but this this did kind of freeze freeze everything for mm-hmm. quite some time. And then eventually, you know, led us uh, into the dark ages too, you know, which, which maybe we'll have a couple comments on, but like after, after this comes the dark ages before we really get some movement forward. So, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it, it just, uh, I guess, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if we have too much to say about the, uh, uh, the, the dark ages, uh, but I mean, uh, I, I guess the idea would be, and, and the argument in, in Schlein's book is, you know, we go from Euclidean space and rationalism to, you know, the, the dark ages of Christianity. And there's this, you know, idea that, you know, it's just uh, the exact opposite of, of rationalism. Uh, the mm-hmm. example, the specific example that he shows that I, I think it's an interesting example. Like, I'm not sure if it absolutely uh, applies. I'm not sure how, how uh, uh, correct this is, but um, he has an image of a, uh, uh, like like just mosaic art right this like christ portrait yeah. as a mosaic and um you know he he says that it, it's almost as if the idea is you know look at the dark ages everything is sort of fractured we are fractured by language like or, you know especially like during that time during like the byzantine uh, uh empire right we already had this like you know sort of um you know kind of like splintering of, of latin we had the development of actual like romance languages um and 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 uh you know we're not you know we're we are christian but but just like you know today like people have this like weird idea that like you know back then we had something called like the muslim empire there was never such a thing as the christian empire right it was just a bunch of like christian states just kind of like at war with one another mm-hmm. um there was no kind of you know uh, allegiance to like a higher power in any real way it was just always a kind of like justification for you know for uh, uh power um and you know he he says like look all these pieces of the christ mosaic you know they represent how fractured the world is the world is being viewed from this kind of you know super fractured lens but altogether right if we can come kind of you know interlock in this way there is this kind of you know controlling idea of 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 christ or at least that was the, the idealization right maybe it wasn't actually what was transpiring but that was the 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 uh, uh, uh idealization i guess in many people's heads which you know it, it seems plausible to me um it could all like but but just because like there's so many just so stories in like evolutionary psychology um and, and, and the fact that like leonard schlein you know well maybe it's unfair to do that but he had like a bunch of like just so stories in in his book on uh uh like things like language sex power um uh, i forget the name of it or he had like another one also like uh like uh, the alphabet against the goddess or something the, i forget the I forget alphabet the, and the goddess yeah the alphabet and the goddess yeah so i mean th- there's like just so stories there specifically when it relates to like you know uh, the study of history and like you know evolutionary theory so you know i, I would be kind of wary about these kinds of explanations but you know it, on some level it sort of you know uh, uh makes sense and I, I i'm sure like the definitive work of why medieval art was the way it was and what it really entailed you know is probably you know to be written but th- this probably would be at least like 
one kind of example that people would have to use if they're constructing a blueprint for understanding, you know, uh, art in some kind of like broad, you know, historical pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, I agree with you, like Shalane doesn't spend, um, you know, much time really talking about the, the art of, uh, of the, the dark ages. And, uh, I, you know, his argument would be, there's not a whole lot to talk about there. Maybe at most yeah. you could say that, um, you know, some of the, the flatness of the figures and the limited nature of what's depicted, you know, essentially like Christ and the Madonna and some angels and like all these same scenes just over and over and over again for like a thousand years uh, in its own way, you know, showed that there just wasn't hardly any movement, um, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in terms of like scientific understanding and, and pushing of the envelope uh, at that time, you know, things stayed pretty static for quite a while until we eventually get to Giotto. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and some of these Renaissance artists that, that move things along. So, yeah. Um, do we want to move into, yeah, into speaking, that part yeah, of it? Yeah. Speaking of which, I have actually a, a Giotto uh, painting that I want to talk about. So uh, let's uh, just do a, a screen share here mm -hmm. for that. Um, yeah. So th this is also an example from uh, the text uh, where, so, uh, uh, so, so Giotto, um, uh, he was a late medieval painter, like end of the 1200s, I believe. Um, and, and, you know, he, he, he didn't have, I would say like what's called, I guess, modern perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, at minimum, right, he had the kind of like, you know, uh, like kind of like proto perspective sort of thing going on. Um, and, you know, he, he developed, you know, tons of fame, you know, even during his life specifically because of that, like he's widely yeah. considered, you know, one of the masters and, you know, at, at minimum, you will say that, you know, even if like people had inklings of perspective before, or, you know, kind of like understood maybe sort of how to do it. You know, he was the first one that we know that truly kind of like formalized it to some degree, right? At, at least like in, in the paintings, I'm not sure if he had any kind of books on the topic as well. But anyway, um, uh, w w which strikes me about uh, this uh, uh, painting is the fact that, um, well, it's more kind of like, I guess, like a, a, def a, a deficiency more than anything. Like uh, in, 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 in art and physics, uh, Schlein says that, um, you know, Giotto, he, 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 had, he had no way of solving, like even if he was creating this kind of like proto perspective, he had no means of solving the problem of where would I put the halo on the heads, you know, of, um, of uh, you know, uh, you know, any, any kind of like holy figures, like whether it's this painting, you know, another painting, like how that work if we're trying to show you, um, you know, a painting from like, like the idea was like, this is stationary space, right? Like there is only one vantage to view, to view a painting from, and it is my vantage, right? I'm going to be the painter here. Um, and, and, you know, where I stand kind of like outside of the canvas, this is where, um, you know, uh, I want the ideal viewer to be. And the question was like, well, how do you, how do you, you know, how do you deal with this problem of the halos? Because, well, you know, on the one hand, you have, you know, many uh, with halos right behind their heads, but here you have like, you know, halos like in front of some heads and, you know, it just looks kind of like a jumbled mess. And the mm -hmm. idea was, well, you know, as much as I'm respected, I still have not figured out how to solve this problem of perspective. Like, how would I do that? 
Um, and and it, it, like uh, the reason why I want to talk talk about this specifically is uh, just just viewing this. Like it just strikes me how like you know the arts like uh, e even even like like not even like the highfalutin arts, but but just like the process of transcribing reality, right? Just like drawing what, what you see, okay? Like, or what you imagine. It, why can you imagine a three-dimensional, you know, halo, but you can't imagine it here, you know, when, when you're on a flat surface? Like, it really does strike me as a science, right? In kind of like the most literal sense. Like, um, mm -hmm. people simply did not know enough yet to figure this out. But because Giotto had his proto-perspective, now people could actually build on these ideas. Now they could, you know, uh, resolve this. I think this was was resolved fairly quickly by, by the time of the Renaissance. Um, mm -hmm. I can't yeah. think of like the first instance, but like, you know, it, it was obviously resolved. Uh, uh, but, 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 but that took something to build upon. And, you know, just like, you know, just like with science, like it, it, it would take time for this kind of reality to unfold and not only to, to transcribe it, but also to, you know, to, to, to explain things in a way that although it's counterintuitive, it works. Like why, why can't people just like be born and be like, great, you know, uh, 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 copyist in terms of like, you know, being able to take a pencil to, to a paper and copy reality as they see it. It's because it's so counterintuitive to, to uh -huh. get, you know, to, to, to like transcribe three dimensional space on a flat surface or to transcribe reality, just like, you know, moving your hand, like, you know, there's same thing with like something like ethics, right? Like the, the ethical systems of like thousands of years ago are just so poor right compared to you know something like you know john rolls is a theory of justice like there's just no comparison you know two three thousand years down the road like all these things like you have to build upon them you have to move them in some way and um you know th this painting like from a guy that actually understood that perspective was a problem and was on his way to solving it here's it here's just like a practical example of something that he could not resolve because just the knowledge base literally just was not there yet Right. 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 Which is why it's important to keep that in mind, you know, as like a modern viewer of an artwork like that, because, you know, to, to some, to the uninitiated, you know, some might see that and think it's just a really silly painting in a way, you know, um, but they but they wouldn't understand what exactly, uh, Giotto was attempting to do there. And so, um, you know, it's, it's important to keep in mind as well. And like Shalane says this in the book that this is starting to emerge out of a, again, the dark ages in like a time when for a thousand years, humanity believed only God can change anything. You know, God mm -hmm. has the, the privileged perspective, only he can, uh, can like enact a will on the world. And so like Giotto comes along and tries to depict this scene in a, in a different kind of way. And it's still like a holy scene, but at least he's, you know, he's trying to push the envelope forward here. And and, and solve some of the problems of perspective and, and some still remain. And so um, like eventually once, once we get a little further along after his time, that, that starts to all get taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time then, like, you know, what, what Schlein relates this to is the importance of perspective uh, for physics and for the sciences too, right? So with Copernicus and just the asking of the questions of like, what if I stood here instead, or what if, what if things were a little bit different, um, you know, and the earth doesn't have the, the position we think it does, you know, mm -hmm. what if we tried to think about our experience from, um, you know, literally from a different vantage point, from a different perspective. And, and that then kicked off, you know, Galileo and, and some of his yeah. 
innovations and discoveries and everything else that starts to kind of cascade from there. Um, yeah. yeah, like, also, like yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, um, I was going to say just from like a purely artistic standpoint too, as some of the things Jato is doing, I was going to read this quick quote from a, another book I have called on quality in art mm-hmm. that does like this, uh, look back at, at great artists and like why things were important. So, uh, which is by Jacob Rosenberg, who I think was a Harvard professor of, of art history or something like that. But he says, um, by Giotto and his disciples, the hard angular lines by which every figure was girt and bound, the senseless and spiritless eyes, the long pointed feet planted upright on their extremities, the sharp formless hands, the absence of shadow, and every other monstrosity of those Byzantine painters were done away with. So, you know, in addition to just um, the idea of perspective, you know, even his things like shading and shadow and use of light and um, the way the figures themselves are depicted more Mm. realistically. Uh, Mm. All this was important. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. And uh, so so like the the two key things, right. From, from Giotto, like in terms of like, if we're going to make this like, you know, art and physics argument was so um, uh, you, you had the stationary view of the scene, right. Uh, There was Uh always a specific place to be in relation to the canvas in relation to like what's happening in the canvas. Um, and, uh, uh, Schlein calls it like, you have like one instant of, t- one instant of time, uh, that's like frozen, right? Like per picture, like it is a snapshot compared to like, you know, a mosaic reality or compared to, uh, like, like going back further in the medieval era. Right. Um, but, but you also like, you know, it, but with, also with the, um, you know, like the proto perspective, you had that reassertion of like classical, Euclidean space, right? Because um, you, know, you you've lost too much of that. It's time to bring it back. And you know, I, I you know I think it makes sense that just like you know we had originally Euclidean space that was able to make like a first kind of golden age for for Western art, and now you have like a, a reassertion of Euclidean space. You have now a second coming of like a like another golden age of of Western art. Um, it seems to me like that that indicates that you do need some kind of baseline tangible like blueprint right for mm-hmm. for at, at least like at least uh, you need a blueprint for ultimately uh what amounts to in the long run like a, a a a you know social consensus that yes this is great art right we don't view medieval art in the same way that we view renaissance art and even if somebody might disagree with that assessment the fact is you know something about having that blueprint in in antiquity and having that blueprint you know uh uh uh, uh Giotto and beyond like th- that allowed us to come to that consensus that whatever emerged from that blueprint turned out to be better than you know, uh, much of what just like completely rejected it and these kinds of crazy overcompensations that, you know, we, we seem to get these overcompensations all the time, no matter what direction you look at. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, moving into more of the, the art of the, the Renaissance here and the enlightenment period and moving Mm -hmm. to a more, um, you know, again, this idea of perspective and like the human perspective, and viewing things from, uh, you know, man being the measure of all things. And well, like the Leonardo Newton uh, connection that Schlein makes is probably the next one we'll talk about. Um, and Leonardo's famous depiction of, you know, the man in, in a, in a circle from a couple different angles, um, you know, and, and breaking that kind of, that, that kind of frozen mold and like, 
that that there's more possibility here uh you know with with coming back to some of those like greek and roman ideas from antiquity and uh and like the, the beauty of forms but then also modernizing them uh you know moving into this time and and creating fresh visual uh visual depictions of what mm-hmm. kind of scenes we find ourselves in and and uh you know what what we're capable of essentially yeah and then uh moving that into again in, into the presaging of certain ideas with physics so um uh, do, do you want to uh, before we get to um uh i i, I feel like the renaissance here kind of goes kind of fast in the book um it does uh, it goes very fast yeah uh because you know at some level like after you you know after you get out proto perspective after you get out you know the 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 fact that like very quickly that you know like okay if you have perspective like what's like like if if you if you view art right in this kind of uh uh, pieces of a puzzle that you have to kind of like put together and things kind of like you know uh emerge and and re-emerge in different ways um uh, like the new challenge, like if you got perspective down, it's like, okay, well, you know, uh, let, let, let's try like this, uh, uh, a newfangled sfumato shit, right? Like, let's try right. that out. And, and like, and I mean, you sort of notice that, right? Like the, the, you, you have sfumato like before, um, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, but you probably see it in the most kind of dramatic way in, um, you know, you see it dramatically, I guess, in, in, in the Mona Lisa. Uh, you see it also in, um, well, we're going to uh, maybe look at one of these. Uh, yeah, what's this uh, uh, painting of the Fiesta Campestra? Um, anyway, um, it, it was something that Manet uh, modeled his, his work on. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a, it's a Tideon uh, uh, painting. But anyway, uh, you know, you, you have like, um, you know, like kind of like ever more dramatic like uses of, you know, color, shading, shadow, whatever. Like the, clearly like there, there's like and, the, and the, the question of like, well, why do you do that? Because the, the, the answer is why not? Why the fuck not? Like if we have this thing that has a material basis, like whether it's something like ethics, right? We're trying to figure out like what is the next development for like, you know, fairness or whatever. You're going to try to crack that code, you know, in the visual arts, like, well, let, let's see what we could, you know, do in terms of pushing you know, the envelope here, 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 here. And eventually like you, you do get Matisse, you do get cubism, you do get abex because like, there, there needs to be there, there needs to not be you know uh, 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 a perpetual ceiling even if like some elements of the ceiling always have to remain right if if you if you still kind of maintain that this this blueprint um anyway i don't have that that's that that seemed to me like a completely irrelevant kind of thing to go on because that's probably better that we move on um <laughs> i don't I, I don't know how i started on that uh um Oh yeah, uh, Leonardo. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, Leonardo so, and Spumato. So, so yeah. So it was. It wasn't all bad. It wasn't irrelevant. Okay. So Leonardo da Vinci. So I mean, do you want to say anything about uh, him, or should we just move on? I mean, I, I have some quotes here that I found. I know that he. I don't know if he actually completed this book, but or maybe he did. Uh, he had a. Uh, Shalane had a book on Leonardo da, da, da Vinci. Um, and he, he didn't quite complete it, but it was still oh, yeah, published yeah. Uh, posthumously after okay, he died. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have you read it? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he has like some comments about, uh, I mean, this is my edition, right? Um, yep. and, and, but we should probably talk about this, right? I meant to, um, if, if, if you guys could see the subtitle, so parallel visions in space, 
time and light, right? Like mm -hmm. the question of like, why are these parallel visions? Um, and so, so anyway, when, when he goes into Leonardo da Vinci, uh, the kind of like, I guess, uh, uh, capstone description that he offers uh, is this, that Schlein offers is this. Um, his most enduring contributions to our knowledge of light were not written in words, however, but rather they can be seen in his paintings. Leonardo was able to coax out of brush and paint a rare quality of light. No artist before or since has achieved the mysterious opalescence of the distant atmosphere. His ineffable vistas, the faraway mountains, the, wor the worldless interplay of ethereal light upon a woman's smile, the rippling fasciculations of a horse in motion, all are bathed in a light that at once is representative of the visual world and at the time contains a sfumato that gives his works an almost otherworldly quality. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I basically, and this, like, uh, to the extent that I have a problem with, like, parts of the argument in this book, uh, I'm not so sure about, like, that opening sentence. Like, his most enduring contributions to our knowledge of light were not written in words, however, but rather they can be seen as paintings. Like, did he really contribute to a knowledge of light? I mean, like, in what sense? Like, in terms of, like, artistic technique? I mean, uh perhaps like uh to, like and to the extent that you could say that like knowledge of light versus like going back to the original question of like perception and what is meant by perception um i think like most people in almost any circumstances will very rarely appear like mona lisa appears with that sfumato right like mm -hmm. we never get that kind of glow like you know we have like you know a a a a visual uh, uh editing software that creates these kinds of glows for you because they're not natural people you know set up lighting to get these kinds of glows so um the, the the question of why like we could talk about like baseline perception and whether or not that has to do with some kind of underlying underlying physics but um the, the question of why you know uh, uh leonardo uh, da vinci would would uh, uh choose that technique right uh it strikes me as more important than you know formulating an argument about contributions to understanding of light yeah um i'm i'm kind of like digging through this section of the book a little bit as as you're talking because i'm trying to remember maybe what schlein was was claiming here other than sfumato because i think that to a certain extent with that effect and like the diffusion of light and the the way maybe he does he try to give credit to leonardo for the fact that like light is both a wave and a particle and, and maybe sfumato is you know is, is yeah is, i i, I think it's i think at some point like it's like a lot, a lot of these yeah a lot of these like physics arguments get tied into um you know like even like kind of you know like smaller details of physics um yeah yep um yeah, rare quality of light. No, serious opalescence of the distant atmosphere. Um, I, 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 if you yeah. want to read uh, on the next, I'm not sure if you have the same hardcover copy, but the next page, there's actually a quote from Leonardo that I think is very good. I was kind of shocked reading it, right? Because it seems so modern. Uh, I'm not sure if you would have anything to say about about that. Um, is it the one where he talks about light specifically? Like you should look at certain walls stained with damp. Oh yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, here's the quote from his treatise on painting and he advised artists, you should look at certain walls stained with damp or at stones of uneven color. If you have to invent some backgrounds, you will be able to see in these, the likeness of divine landscapes adorned with mountains, ruins, rocks, woods, 
great plains, hills and valleys in great variety, and expressions of faces and clothes and an infinity of things which you will be able to reduce to their complete and proper forms. In such walls, the same thing happens as in the sound of bells, in whose stroke you may find every named word which you can imagine. Um, and then, and then Schlein in the, in the line right after that, he says, Leonardo's interests in images without things led him to be the first European artist to draw a landscape. In so doing, he took the important step away from concrete and symbolic representation toward abstraction. Yes. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, like you said, in that sense, you know, it, it is, I mean, Leonardo's quote there is, is pretty modern. Um, and, you know, going from the specific to the general and, and general to the specific, like kind of uh, all in this, whatever you'd call it, like this is easy passing between the, the two um, and like being able to elucidate and, and articulate ideas in both senses. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that from that standpoint, like Leonardo, to me at least is, I, I kind of view his contribution as just like more all encompassing um, rather than just specifically one sense of space, time and light. I, I think he did touch upon each of those in a way, mm -hmm. uh, you yeah. know, with, with his different artworks and obviously also had a science, strong scientific mind and bent uh, with his inventions and his sketchbooks and all these things that we now uh, know about. But yeah, I, I think Sumato is an important, you know, contribution of his, but I, I think it's, we maybe shouldn't give it too heavy of a weighting in terms yeah. of, uh, of his advancements. And I, I'm just wondering, because uh, because I know like uh, you know people often make uh, in, in physics like uh, uh, like lay people, I guess like um, they make a number of like, conflations, right? You get like for example in the 2000s, like uh, like this influx of like bad movies and you know bad books and bad writing about like the implications of quantum physics for our day to day reality, which is just kind of like it's just not relevant to macro reality because like. The whole point of you know, quantum reality is like we're we're we're, we're talking about probabilistic, you know, kind of uh, scenarios, and you know, you sum up all those probabilistic scenarios, and eventually, like reality looks like a probability of one, right? And it seems to always look like a probability of one over and over and over and over again. It, it tends to endure. Um, uh, and 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 uh, when he says like Sfumato um, presages presages this idea of. Uh, uh, light being both a particle and a wave, um, is that is is like my question is, and, and maybe someone that understands this better could could comment. Like, is that something that has very like clear implications to like you know everyday kind of you know visual experience, um, or or is that kind of like you know Schlein kind of like looking for you know a, a detail of physics to. Uh, ascribe to you know an artist, right? Um, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Okay, I'm I'm bringing my dog in. You? It seems like somebody yeah. else's. Yeah. Yeah. So Kristen's bringing Toby in because he's she's gonna Hi. she's gonna leave, and he gets really nervous uh, when people leave. So he's he's gonna hang out with me now. <laughs> he, he he looks like a sheep. You ever you ever brush him like a sheep? <laughs> no, we do say he looks like a lamb. Yes. Yeah. 
And he's like he's like shivering right now because she's leaving. So he's gonna hang out with me now and make it. Does, does, does he have like these like emotional attachment issues or? Bye. Uh, yeah, big time, big time. So yeah. like I, um, my ex and I adopted him four years ago when he was seven. Mm-hmm. Um, like obviously don't really know what his life was like prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 11 now and yeah, he just, um, he can't be left alone. Like he, yeah. he gets totally, he just barks yeah. for, you know, hours on end and shakes and gets himself all out of sorts. Uh, but when he's with somebody, he's happy. He's so smiling. Can, Look, he's smiling. Yeah, get, Look at that. Can you Come say on, hi show to us, Alex? Show us your crooked smile. Come on. Can you say hi to Alex, buddy? Show him your smirk. See? He got that classic Mona Lisa smile. Look at him. Yeah. Can you see the smirk face? There he's, br- he's, br- he's brown about the face too. I like that. Yeah. He's got a little bit of like, uh, some of that's just from him, like, you know, licking his mouth yeah. after he eats. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a good little guy. Can you lay down in your bed? Can you lay down? Come here. Okay. All right, so hopefully he'll like calm down and just chill in his bed with me. Mm-hmm. But for a minute here, he might get like upset and try to paw at the door because she left. Hey, come here, buddy. Yeah, he's he might make a little bit of noise, and if so, I'll just I'll, okay. I'll address it. Look, this is good. This is good fucking content. Like we we have here, a glimpse into your personal life now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, this is what we, I deal with. We, we, we know we know that you're like a very empathetic person. You decided to adopt a dog that was seven years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> as, opposed, as opposed to going for like the newest one around. Puppy, yeah. I think he's just going to have to make an appearance on the show. I'm going to have to hold him because otherwise uh, he he won't calm down for yeah. for a while. So he's he's just going to be here uh, offering his right. thought on art and physics. Um, um, well, maybe that was the right interruption because, like I said, I don't have enough physics knowledge to make that determination, and maybe I sound foolish because maybe clearly uh, uh, light being uh, a particle in the wave has implications for day-to-day perception, and Sfumato, in fact, absolutely gets at that perfectly, right? Yeah, so who knows? Could, could be, but um, yeah, so, so from there then, probably important. I mean, he's got the chapter on uh, you know Kant and Blake. And these like mm-hmm. mysticism uh, of Blake and the rational, you know, ideas of Kant and everything else. Do you, do you want to spend much time there? Do you have any like William Blake paintings? I know we usually talk about his poetry, but. Um, um, but honestly, I just kind of want to get into Manet and Monet. Um, okay. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Yeah, let's just let's just move on to that. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, you, do you, do you want to like start things off? I'm not sure if you have a share screen or if you, if you have anything you want to say. Yeah, let me just make sure that, um, oh, I, I did want to make one more point before we get there, which is, um, mm-hmm. I do think that one artist that Schlein skips over, uh, like, uh, that he should not is Rembrandt. Uh-huh. Um, there's there's one very brief mention of Rembrandt, um, and it's, it's in the section that we'll get to in a little bit um, on Eastern conceptions of time and space. Mm-hmm. But but let me just read you this quote uh, where he mentions Rembrandt, and then I want to show one or two Rembrandt paintings quick because I, I just I disagree with Schlein uh, on this. So he says Rembrandt elevated the shadow, the use of shadow, to a pinnacle never again achieved by any artist. When all is said and done, however, shadow is an optical phenomenon that is at the heart of Western fundamental beliefs about space, time, and light. 
But if time is not linear and space is not empty, then light does not necessarily travel in time through space. A culture that believed this contrasting view of space and time would manifest it in their art. And earlier in that paragraph, he talks about how like the only important thing about shadow um, is like, you know, it illuminates the direction where, from where it comes, from where light comes or the time of day or that kind of thing. And I think that when you look at like the chiaroscuro of Rembrandt, um, let me do a share screen quick and just show a couple examples. Like to me, his use of shadow is, um, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't identify a certain time and space. It, it kind of exists outside of that. Okay. So like this, this one here, mm-hmm. where like, you know, Aristotle with, uh, with a bust is, is just like, where, what time of day is it? Where's the light coming from? Um, is that all that's being, you know, elucidated here by the light? And, and I would argue that, you know, Rembrandt was able to use light in a, a much more dramatic way. Um, and even in like, this might be stretching a bit, but kind of, um, you know, get at, at some of the ideas of like more modern physics today with, uh, with like dark matter and dark energy and how like, you know, things just emerge out of, you know, he's, he's always using these really dark backgrounds and dark spaces. And then there's just shafts of light that come in and illuminate something. Um, this is another painting, Christ in the storm on the sea of Galilee, same kind of idea. Like we don't necessarily know what time of day this is happening. It also doesn't necessarily matter. Um, you know, so, so light's being used in a different way here, but, um, Anyway, any thoughts on on Rembrandt or, or anything like that? Yeah, I, I remember actually. I don't. I forget when I was looking for um, you know any discussion uh, of Rembrandt by Schlein, and like I think the index has like maybe one, maybe two pages um, only of just kind of like uh, just like referencing just very briefly, which, which is which is a disappointment. And yeah. you know, um, uh, on some level, uh, you know, you just wonder like, well, h- how far can you stretch out? you know, the art and physics interpretation, is it mm-hmm. apl- Is that the interpretation that is in fact applicable to, you know, all visual art? Is this kind of like a, a starting point just to establish that like, you know, pure material basis or, you know, like, uh, does this look some, some other way? Um, so, uh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's, uh, I guess one thing that I, that I wish Lane had, had more of a comment on because, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess you could bring in uh, uh, kind of like newfangled concepts like into Rembrandt. But, um, you know, I, I also wonder if like on some level, Schlein just like didn't really have, you know, much to say. Um, right. Know. And maybe maybe the Rembrandt is an example of what we talked about earlier. We're like, because it doesn't just fit easily into the, the art and physics narrative and it's more yeah. geared toward... Uh, communication of ideas and expression of emotion and um and this kind of thing you know it's a little bit outside of the purview of the book or slain thought or whatever but um it's just you know an uh, outstanding great artist that he kind of completely skipped over which Mm -hmm. was uh, which i noticed but Mm -hmm. anyway we can move on to impressionism and uh monet monet and, and these others now yeah, I mean, I, I'll just kick it off with a couple quick comments on this where Schlein does spend quite a bit of time on this painting. Mm-hmm. So that this is one that he dissects. Uh, and well, obviously, well, well, why don't we just like contextualize it? So like, you know, we yeah. just, we, so we just finished the, the uh, discussion of Giotto um, and n- now, okay, so rationalism has come back. 
Um, yep. Now we have like in Europe, we have the Enlightenment. Uh, now we have like um, you know the, 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 this this idea of like you know okay Euclidean space is good again and and uh, 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 you know a- after a while right of like okay so you 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 figure out perspective you know uh, you 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 have someone like Rembrandt which um, just to like comment uh, briefly on uh, what we just said about Rembrandt uh, you know like with Rembrandt uh, we it, it's not even so much that. Um, he represents something new in terms of the contributions to like whatever presages physics. Uh, but he does exceptionally well. Like he, he, he is the greatest representative like in Western art of those styles and that development in art, like up until that time in, in history. Right. So like Rembrandt then like be- becomes like, you know, like w- w- one of the uh, greatest, like actual like painter painters. Right. So, um, uh, and, you know, it, it's following, you know, many of the same kind of uh, ideas, but like, you know, at a certain point, if you have like, like if you have a Rembrandt, right, in the 1600s, uh, h- how much of Rembrandt style can you actually do? How much more of that can you perfect for the next two centuries, right? Which mm-hmm. I think is when, you know, Impressionism like comes in and where you have like, you know, uh, perhaps like, you know, some sort of counter enlightenment also in the arts like i don't want to necessarily phrase it that way but in the scope kind of of what we're discussing we're sort of saying that hey you know it's not so much that enlightenment ideals are wrong but they have been insufficient for getting us to the underlying underbelly of like true reality right so now we're going to try to uh, observe that you know in a way that giotto couldn't in a way that perhaps even rembrandt you know wouldn't uh, conceptualize um so uh, just just by way of framing uh, uh, i think we could say like this is where we are like in in the history of art according to uh, leonard Schlein. yeah um so anyway i guess i guess we can pick it up from uh you were just talking about you know maybe rembrandt being a bit of an endpoint unto himself uh not necessarily fitting into the art and physics narrative but now um you know we're, we're starting to move into the you know the general impressionist era or, or slightly before that um you know with monet here and the uh the picnic which is pictured on the screen so I forget if there's anything else you wanted to say, uh, just about like the general, general art movements before we got into the specific pieces here. No, I, f- I feel like um, you know, as long as uh, people keep in mind like uh, where we are in Schlein's argument, right? Because he is the one that's constructing this, you know, as as history. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, his his main argument here with Manet that, um, you know, who, who he, he obviously regards highly, I would say in this, uh, total narrative arc of art and physics. Um, and, you know, Manet is a well-respected painter, just historically speaking anyway, but, um, and this painting in particular gets quite a long treatment in the book and mainly from, uh, you know, the, the violations, the multiple violations, so to speak, that it commits, um, you know, against kind of more, more classical, ideas and so uh i think you know that the, the biggest and, and, ones, and this applies to like both content and like you know like the physics portion of things right um correct yeah. correct yeah so i you know as you said a little earlier in our conversation like this was one of those paintings that caused kind of like a riotous response mm-hmm. from the art community when it came out and uh you know was 
disregarded and, uh, and, and like just completely criticized and chastised, um, you know, to like, obviously to the, to the detriment now of those critics in terms of like the evaluation of this painting and where it stands, uh, in artistic significance. But, um, yeah, so, you know, it was like, it was a scandalous painting with the, the two female figures in particular, the one in front, you know, here, the, the nude figure, um, and like none of the four figures in the painting, you know, particularly like interacting with one another other than just being there. Like they're not necessarily looking at each other. Maybe, you know, maybe this gentleman seated here is kind of like addressing one or, or the both of the other two, but um, you know, and, and there's even like this little bit of like the Mona Lisa idea, like staring, uh, staring here at us with uh, mm -hmm. that kind of interesting look on, on her face. But nonetheless, like, the, the violations of perspective where, you know, this background female figure is, uh, you know, appearing much larger than she should be in terms of uh, the proper perspective rendering of things. And also like uh, Monet does this numerous times in his paintings and uh, Schlein gives more than one example of, of Monet paintings um, doing this, but like kind of the crowding in of everything with um, the, the trees and the lack of a horizon line. Obviously mm -hmm. we get like a little bit of one uh, here in the very back, but like he Schwein's pretty adamant. Like this is something that had been um, kind of like a, a holy piece, uh, if you will, like a sacred piece of a lot of artwork or almost all artwork up until this time was like a depiction of the horizon line. So we had an understanding of where we were in space. Um, but, but Monet really just about excludes that here. And instead we get this, dense forest and it's it's sort of disorienting uh to the viewer and and so on um and and so i, I think that's that's a lot of what we would say about it just from a like a violations point of view and and what it's what it's accomplishing here what uh what Monet is doing uh even like the trees you know Shalene talks about like moving them off of a perfect 90 mm -hmm. uh with with you know, tilting and being more horizontal and, uh, excuse me, more uh, diagonal than horizontal in some cases. And this was another thing that artists really hadn't done up until that time. So he, he gives a lot of credit to Monet for um, making, making space uh, playful, you know, molding it around, treating it more like Plato, uh, Play-Doh, the, the, the toy, not Plato, the philosopher, um, you know, in terms of like modeling it and, and how to represent it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think for those reasons, uh, this might be like a, a, a perfect painting for uh, Ethan uh, of the new house uh, mm -hmm. uh, to 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 hear your commentary on because you know so far, like you know everything we just discussed has nothing to do with the narrative or the meaning, right? We just have right. a, a bunch of techniques that are being used, you know, prior techniques that are violated, you know, perspective, for example, as as, as one. Uh, uh, probably he was not trying to, you know, make her in fact, like seven, eight feet tall, like in, in the purely kind of, you know, like logical sense. Um, uh, although like, you know, this is essentially what you get, you know, in, in the painting. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Like the, the, it, it, there's, there, there was another um, uh, painting of his in the book. I forget what the name of it is, but I think it's like, you know, like it's just nighttime and people are sort of, you know, sitting around and, partying um and you also get the same like disappearance of the of the horizon line right yeah. you get the same um uh like 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 twisted and like bent trees that are just meant to sort of disorient you you know in the same way um mm -hmm. let me just do a, I think it was a music in the garden something like that yeah yeah music in the garden that's what, that's what it music was music in the tuileries um, yeah yeah um 
pretty yeah pretty sure that's what it was um yeah so so here uh, uh, in my uh, screen um yeah uh uh, uh like you, you disorient the viewer just in pure technical grounds alone right uh, you you make the horizons disappear and in a sense like if you bend the trees and you don't have a horizon it's sort of like you know being you know underwater like in a in a you know a dark night or or in space right you don't necessarily have the same sense of uh direction that you would have in normal waking reality right um but, but like, you know, beyond the kind of, you know, art and physics uh, interpretation that we could apply to the painting, you know, there is some stuff going on in the narrative that, um, oh, this turned out to be a very nice quality. That was um, good, yeah. Painting. Yeah, I think it's just the Wikimedia one. That's, that's usually the one that I normally go to. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, <clears throat> uh, like, like here, okay, so we have, like, even if this is not overtly sexual in the sense that, um, well, the, the, the men seem to be completely uninvolved with her. Mm -hmm. uh, they're interested in like make, you know, saying something, they're looking at each other. You know, she is looking at the um, uh, viewer. Um, but, you know, there's something like here, like with the way that they're, you know, just, just even disregarding like the fact that she's naked, like even if she were clothed, maybe it would, it would have made it even less, uh, stark, but, uh, you would still have the reality of, I mean, look at the way their feet are positioned, right? So this guy that, you know, she's not closest to physically, um, like look how close her foot is to his like fucking boot, right? Yep. So there is like enough intimacy of some sort going on that this is acceptable, um, look how close her foot is next to his calf here. Um, look at how this man's leg is almost like at this guy's ass, yeah. right? Like, just like we had the kind of leg thing, same thing going on here. Um, but, but it, it, it's, it, it's also, it, it's interesting in the sense that, you know, whatever that dynamic is, even if we have the most, even if we, we apply like a purely kind of like sexual reading to this, um, uh, Clearly, that is not that is not the only. Well, I don't want to say focus because this is exactly where your mind goes. This is where you know the the, the figure forces you to go. But uh, when you see their interaction with one another, right, the, the two males, um, you have to like put some of that kind of more sexualizing narrative, like you know, somewhere in the back, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, you're you're going to have to think about the fact that well, whatever might be going on sexually. There is something that's transpiring here that that is at least as interesting, uh, and uh, even if not to you, then clearly it's it's at least as interesting as her to these two guys, right? Um, so, um, uh, and, and that's an inter interesting thing about it, right? You could have your own personal assessment of the situation, but what I just said, like in this instant, right? This this like Giotto uh, uh, like instant of time, right? One instant for each painting, and this one instant, these two males are uh, uh, interested in whatever word is being exchanged. And that's just a fact. Um, I also noticed yep. this in terms of the narrative. So, I mean, the, 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 this is like her clothes coming off, right? So, and you see... Um, um, her like, hat's discarded there too by the, the uh, 
picnic yeah, like, like yeah, the, the, yep. the, the rest of her clothes are discarded there, and but like it's discarded and jumbled up right next to like this the, the still life um like f- like picnic basket, right? Yep. Uh, so individually, so first of all, here, like, forget about that. There's anything going on. Just look at the corner that I just zoomed in on, right? Like, th- think about that. You know, uh, uh, we, we talked about, um, uh, uh, um. Uh, you know, we, we, we talked about uh, uh, Mona Lisa. We 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 talked about sfumato uh, uh, technique. We talked about uh, that quote where you have like things like emerging, you know, out of mountains, like faces out of mountains. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci says, like, you know, in, in every bell, you you get like you know the the sound of like every word, right? Yes. Just in that gong. Um, you sort of get in miniature, you know, a still life here, but it's a still like, like the, the, the clothes, right. That have been discarded. They're tied up to like the food and the picnic. And this does like help give it like a more, you know, lecherous reading as well. Right. This also, you know, makes you, uh, sort of sexualize like parts of the painting too. And, you know, uh, uh this, this clearly you know, like w- was done for a reason. Like, I mean, look like the fact that the clothes are discarded in this messy way, the fact that it is like in the midst of like this, this like still life picnic basket food that, you know, by that fact alone, like the, the food, right. She, she is in some way food, but it's, it's a food that these two are not, um, you know, indulging it. So even from a narrative sense, it's like, well, you know, you expect this to be some sort of references to, you know, mythology, but it's not really like, it's not, um, this giant woman, she could just be like a, a, a giant test that has no other, you know, reality outside of this painting. Um, and, and, you know, you, and then you have t- these two guys, and then you have this figure who, you know, this is not, this is not, as far as I can tell, a reference to anything other than the, the cosmos of the, of this painting, right? So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's mysterious in many ways, but even if you don't really get, understand the, the mystery or think there's no point to it, you know, just again, from a purely technical sense, the, the fact that these elements exist and the fact that they lend quite credibly these various kinds of readings, I mean, that, that that's interesting in and of itself. Yeah, uh, definitely. And it's, um, it's almost like we have multiple paintings composed in one painting here. It's important maybe yeah. to mention too, this is a really large painting, um, seven or oh, eight yeah, that, feet. That, that, yeah. That, 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 uh, photo that you sent me that was so that was in france correct yeah that was uh yeah. when i was at the musée d'orsay last summer and yeah. this this painting was there at the time I, I i'm assuming maybe it's part of the permanent collection there can, yeah. can, can you look at that photo sometime because i was looking at it today and compared to uh here uh it just strikes me as uh i don't know why you you essentially sent a perfectly rectangular painting and I don't see any distortion. And this to me just looks like, am I wrong for thinking this is a perfect square canvas that's being shown or like close to it? It's close you, to it online here, yeah. Because well, what you sent me, um, although, you know, it, it takes up the the whole, the entire edge of the photo uh, and there's no like distortion and like, you know, the, the, the painting of this corner ends with the dress and here it ends with the tree and here it ends with that, that bird. Um, the one that you sent is like very rectangular. I just found it interesting. Like, how is that possible? Yeah, no, it, it could be, I'm looking at that photo right now, actually that I sent you. And so it could be that uh, here online, they've just, they've uh, at least um, in terms of the width, they've condensed it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, let me let, it, so, it just doesn't look distorted. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, 
right that's that's interesting yeah they, they could they condense it down to a square, but the the distortion didn't happen that you would expect. Like it just the the proportions and where it ends and begins is where that photo is that you sent me. So you send me like the real thing, right? And this is yeah. you know also like the real thing. And uh, it's, anyway, I just found that interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh, maybe important to point out too, like in in the photo I sent you of the real painting, uh, the colors are more vibrant than yeah. they appear here. You know, and and obviously, whatever uh, some some of the versions of it you could find online are going to be a little bit more vibrant. Uh, this one's slightly more dull, but, um, you know, the, it, it's still a good representation. So anyway, um, what I was going to say is, you know, it is a large painting, um, like eight, eight, eight and a half feet by 10 feet, something like that. Oh. Or close to it. So, um, you know, Monet is, is almost completing three different paintings, uh, or at least that many, like in one here, right? Because we've mm -hmm. got what could be a still life that you pointed out in the bottom left corner, which would be an odd and interesting still life uh, for that category unto itself for the reasons you described. Then you'd have this, you know, the middle section there, um, you know, with uh, the, the, the three main characters, so to speak, and what's going on with their interaction. And mm -hmm. then, um, you know, the woman in the background with, you know, being large and almost this like goddess or giant kind of figure emerging out of a pool of water. And there's the rowboat there. And then like, the horizon line and maybe even a distant mountain beyond her. Uh, and then it's also just a forest scene. And we even have like a, a little bird uh, up here, you know, toward mm -hmm. the, the top uh, of the frame. So there's a lot going on. It's almost like a short story, uh, you know, like all, I'll put into one painting. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, lots, lots to mine there. I mean, we could go on and on about this one painting probably, but and um, the interesting thing to me is like, okay, so we know that this call, caused the big ruckus, but why didn't this, right? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. th th this also, yep. so this is a, 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 now I think in the last 20 or so years, it's been ascribed fully to uh, uh, Titian. Yeah. Um, and and, and uh, like uh, this also is not a clear reference to any, um, you know, any kind of like mythology. Uh, uh, but you know, like, like it, 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 it just makes me wonder, like, you know, perhaps like when you, you know, to do that, you know, Leonard Schlein reading, we go back to, you know, um, the Renaissance and, you know, before, uh, suddenly it's like, well, you know, people's concepts might be somewhat different, right? People's thoughts might be, might be, uh, uh, different. And, you know, uh, 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 now, like at the beginning of, you know, the kind of like you, you, you know, uh, Euclidean like boom, right. Once more, this kind of resurgence, um, you know, maybe because it's not fully ingrained yet, this is still kind of acceptable, just like, you know, yeah. mosaics were acceptable, just like, you know, uh, Giotto's like, uh, uh, proto perspective, even when it violated perspective was acceptable. Uh, whereas here it's like, we have, you know, at this point, a couple of centuries maybe of like, uh, bourgeois sensibility, Mm -hmm. um a, a, a mode of a, like a mode of like being like that 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 is kind of like you know further and further divorced from the kinds of like i guess base implications of like saying something like you, you know euclidean art now like we're in a situation where euclidean art is 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 just trite right euclidean art has sort of you know lost uh itself like after rembrandt nothing was truly improved upon and that substantive way so we need to do something other than euclidean art right for the sake of you know because you know art is not euclidean but 
uh, art could be partly Euclidean, just like it could be partly anything. And you know, to save the whole thing, uh, uh, we need to disrupt you know some of those foundations to some degree, right? Because you know, it's not it's not even so much that this violates like like I said earlier perspective it's it's also the fact that i mean like literally she could be a giantess right like she could mm-hmm. be you know seven eight feet tall that's acceptable you know that's a kind of like baseline reality um you know uh, just like you can imagine like a, a set of events that here you know would have not only had her, you know, completely disrobe in this kind of, uh, you know, very like quick, chaotic way, but also in the process without even caring to pick them up, like, you know, uh, overturn the picnic basket, turn it into a still life, and then have her in this kind of, you know, very peaceful situation here. So why, why is there, you know, how did this kind of chaotic situation lead to something like what, 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 what is the causal chain there? Right? Like, so you, you could make those judgments and you could take it literally and it's not unacceptable to do so. Right. Um, but you know, but b- by saying that, you know, these are possibilities as well, uh, you know, uh, that, th- that, that's also like, I wouldn't even call it necessarily a rejection of, you know, Euclidean, space it's just um you know uh, uh in some ways kind of like pushing against it you know like it, it's it's not so much that hey manet is gonna like uh, eliminate the horizon line it's it's the fact that uh well the horizon line is there somewhere you just don't fucking see it behind the trees okay it's there it could be this thing right here right this could be the horizon line this thing um this this yep. blue uh but you know uh, he simply drew this painted this in a way where you don't see the horizon line right it's not that it it's not that it's like non euclidean right so and this is also i guess like uh, a somewhat light critique that you could make of the book too right i mean uh, like schlein can't be totally literal right i mean and he knows that uh, but you know, like sometimes like it, like th- that ambiguity opens up, you know, other ways to, to look at things other than, you know, uh, the specifics of like Schlein system. Although I think what Schlein proposes is overall, like the correct way to view things. And, you know, to his credit, he is, you know, the first, uh, uh, um, uh, to, to, uh, propose things in such a way. Um, let's do this series, the Rouen Cathedral okay. for, uh, for Monet, um, you know his other most famous two well two most famous maybe that would be similar would be water his water lilies which he used over and over and over again and also the haystacks um but the, you know some of those same ideas are present in in all three of these series so uh, do, 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 yeah do you do you want to do the screen share you probably have this ready for yourself yeah i do I, and i've got it um okay. i've hold on let me get it pulled up here quick okay yeah, and I when I start the screen share here, viewers will see I've, I've got it pulled up to a, quite a few of the paintings in the series on the Wikipedia page all at once here. Um, so this is the gallery, and like you know, I mean, maybe we could blow a couple of these up, but the people get the idea. Um, so you know, Schlein's posit as far as Monet is concerned is that he was the main artist to to come along in this impressionist period and be concerned with time and, and the passage of time, the perception of time, um, how the same object or, or same scene could be affected by, um, you know, different light, at different seasons, different times of an individual day, uh, so on and so forth. And like, I mean, some of these of the cathedral, like this one is so impressionistic and sketchy as to almost, you know, it barely exists in a way. Uh, it's, it's 
close to an abstract, you know, completely abstract painting. Um, you know, this one's pretty in more intense here with, um, with the red tones used and, and so on. Maybe it's sunrise or sunset and so on. So, you know, we just, you get the idea. We can keep cycling through um, different paintings in the series, but he did, I think, 20 of these maybe uh, thereabouts. And so this idea that, um, you know, time recurs and, and though like the Western conception is of time moving, uh, you know, from the past into the present and then to the future and, and kind of this arrow and moving straight ahead, um, on a, you know, considered time more plastic, um, and, and potentially even more circuitous and that like the same place continues to exist and, and does, does the nature of this object depicted change if uh, if there's a change in the light presented upon it and and its place in time and so forth um, you know that was his his major idea and, and obviously a lot of um, you know people also look to Monet in terms of uh, his, his use of color and getting more bold with that and uh, and kind of like laying some of the groundwork for other artists like uh, Gauguin and Van Gogh and so on to uh, to get more bold with some of the color palettes that they would use. But um, yeah, I'll kick it off with those comments. Do you want to run with some more comments on this series and in, in itself or Monet as an artist in general? Um, so, uh, I, I mean, like j just uh, uh, to, again, like reground re that a little bit, uh, you know, so we're, we're past the stage of, you know, perspective, we could sort of violate that. Uh, 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 now we want to just kind of, you know, do, do the temporal side of things, right? Not, not, not simply sketch out impressionistically, you know, those kinds of, you know, perceptions, right? The, some of those perceptions, but, uh, also just, you know, like how would we show, um, you know, an object through time? Like if we only have, uh, you know, like essentially like a, a two-dimensional space, right? Do we just just do this uh, 20 times? Because, you know, uh, the interesting part is like, although like, yes, like um, part of the idea was I'm going to paint this many times over just to show, you know, kind of like uh, temporally, like literally like on this, on so-and-so day, on this morning, this is what it looks like. Here, you know, uh, in the evening is, is is what the cathedral looks like again. Um, but, like, even if you just look at, like, if you just, you know, click on any one of these, essentially, just doesn't even matter. Um, yeah, that one's a little bit blurry. Let's go to the next. How about this one? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you, 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 like, 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 first of all, like it's, it's, uh, you know, like sometimes like, yes, you, you do get this kind of literal color, color from, from the sun, but the fact that you have like so much melding, like, you know, into the, you know, into the bottom, like, it's almost as if like, we are talking about a, you know, a temporal transition within the painting itself, right? There is something happening here, right? There is, you know, the, the sky, the very top is a little bit darker than everything else is kind of green right so and this makes sense because you know we we know where the sun is coming from um so uh, you, you like even beyond like this idea of like let's let's do like because you know like if you think about it like um doing a painting like 20 times over to capture different parts of like time um is that really that different than showing jesus christ in 12 different positions in the same same painting 
um, simply to like show like all the possible relations that he could be in to like various ideas or objects or other people. Um, you're just kind of like creating and duplicating, even if it, you know, it, it looks new. So I, I think beyond like the, the, the sheer number of, of works that um, Monet did kind of like uh, going at this idea, I think it's interesting to look at the, 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 the individual paintings, like apart from the series and, and ask like, well, is, is this individual painting actually fulfilling the kind of you know uh, 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 macro desire and objective of of the series itself, and I think you know in this in this example, there's plenty of places you could point to on the canvas where you know you could make some kind of plausible argument for a, a temporal shift at least being alluded to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to read one quick quote from the book about Monet mm -hmm. that speaks to some of what you were just talking about. So. Um, Let's see, let's see. So yeah, he talks a little bit about the, the melding together that you did as well, where like the Euclidean concept of top, bottom, right, left, all of that begins to, to fade a bit um, with the way things get kind of like compressed into just one version of the image. But um, this is in relation to the Water Lilies uh, series, but he says, Building on Monet's manipulation of the horizon line, Monet raised the viewer's angle of vision until the horizon was somewhere off the canvas. Then, unlike Monet, he reduced the variety of elements on the canvas to two, water lilies and water. His paintings in these later years became increasingly diffuse. The distinction between what was in the water, on the water, or reflected upon the water became ever more difficult for the viewer to discern until they became a continuum of elements and color. Finally, in compositions that tested the limits of realism and bordered on abstract art, Monet's image became so blurred that all orienting visual clues disappeared. So, um, you know, as it relates to like what, what discovery in physics is supposed to be presaging, uh, we're about to get to Einstein, you know, it's, uh, which I, I think you know, Schlein by far gives the, the heaviest treatment in the book to Einstein's ideas in terms of physics. Um, so, you know, this idea that, that time might be relative, it might be melded, it, the, the same object could be, uh, like you said, just sort of compressed and, and diffused uh, to the point where we're not even exactly sure what it is anymore that's being depicted, uh, mm. you know, f figures into some of Einstein's ideas. So. Like, well, like w when I look at a painting like this, um, you know, uh, Einstein's ideas, like we're going to talk about them, like they're supposed to be counterintuitive, which is why like you, you get all this controversy uh, to begin with. But I mean, uh, even if the, this was like a counterintuitive um, painting at the time, like ha haven't you seen like cathedrals that look just like this? Like I have plenty of things like filed away in my memory where uh, you have all, almost this kind of like, you know, you could call it either a hellish or a holy light. You know, honestly, it, it wouldn't even matter, which is like a very interesting kind of comment to be able to say about a painting. But whether uh -huh. this is a, a hellish light or, or uh, you know, anything else, um, like I, I've seen things that look like that red. And I've seen like my eyes make like this kind of temporal transition, like, you know, at other parts of, uh, um, you know, a, a painting. And maybe it wouldn't look just like in the way that, 
uh, Monet might 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 paint it, but clearly of the things that I've experienced, like it, it fits neatly into you know one of these or some of these variations. Yeah, yeah, no question. Uh, and and even in a way, this is what memories become, in yeah. a sense, right? Because I'm the same as you, right? We you know I've seen buildings, um, you know, whether they're this grand or it's something more like prosaic and suburban from around the United States or whatever, there, there are certain, certain seasons, certain lights, certain, um, you know, objects that do stick in our memory. But like once, once things move along far enough from that exact moment, it, it becomes something more like this. It's uh, yeah. it's hazier and, uh, and yet still, um, still kind of visceral. I mean, it, it, there's still, it still conjures yeah. up some sort of yeah. feeling. So. Yes, and, and, and that's an interesting observation about memory. But like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like, c come to think of it, it is like, you know, uh, so many memories look just like this. Like, I could, you know, I, I can think of even specific years that in my mind look 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 like this. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, but, but but that is also like if we're talking about Monet and what his sort of temporal contribution is to this uh, art and physics equation, um, the fact that it wants to play just naturally on your memory in that way. Like, I'm not sure if, you know, uh, people have made that observation before. I, I didn't see it in, in art and physics, right? But it seems like uh, uh, of the different levels at which art works, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to tap into that kind of, you know, part of human beings that are so kind of both emotionally resonant and it could also be kind of intellectually rich. Um, that's very useful, right? Like every one of these, like I have a memory associated for every painting. Right. Um, and, and yeah, yeah there, there's enough people in the world that, that operate in that way, that this is, this makes it meaningful. Um, yeah. Good. Oh, this one's more direct and straight yeah. on. It's interesting. Um, looks like maybe a late fall or, or winter scene there. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, good. Uh, you know, I, I think that, th so then, he moves on and, and we didn't necessarily talk about pulling up specific paintings from Cezanne, but, uh, you know, Schlein views Cezanne in this equation as a, a, a mixture of both Monet and Monet and someone who mm -hmm. played with both time and space, um, you know, probably among his most famous works would be the, you know, the still lifes that he did where the table is interrupted with its perfect straight line. And then, um, you know, the different perspectives, of how objects are depicted. I don't know if you want to go into Cezanne at all or, or we want to move on to, um, uh, to I, another. I, I think uh, maybe we could talk about him a little bit conceptually, but I don't have any specific uh, uh, ideas about, um, oh, well, let, let's just do a little bit more on uh, uh, here. Um, and then we could like uh, go. Yeah. Because um, Van Gogh was going to be next. Yeah. After yeah. After this, yeah. Um, so yeah, just to, just to build on Monet, I mean, the, the, you know, these are like the famous, uh, haystacks here are some mm -hmm. haystacks are perhaps like a little less well-known, like in, in the winter, you know, he's much more associated, I think with like sort of summer imagery. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a similar, uh, idea. So just get into a uh, Cezanne. Yeah. I mean, you have, for example, um, uh, any number of like Cezanne, uh, still lifes that are just kind of like. You know, like if you if you want to say that they are logical in some way and they in fact represent what they represent, um, 
it, it means that you've probably taken on two or three different perspectives or, or vantage points, right? Um, uh, looking at, you know, like a Saison uh, still life. That's not necessarily true of all of them, but it's true of enough where, you know, this is clearly one of the contributions of, of, of uh, Saison. But, you know, uh, uh, of all these painters, uh, you know, to me, the most interesting one, and I think probably uh, most interesting to most uh people, you know, would be uh, Van Gogh. And, you know, I, I sort of like, I do lump him into the Cezanne, uh, Monet, and Manet kind of, you know, triumvirate. And, mm -hmm. to, but to me though, he, he's kind of like uh, the logical endpoint of all of that, right? Um, mm -hmm. And and he, he's the logical endpoint because, okay, so first of all, like, you know, when you have like impressionism, you know, uh, it, you know, it's, it, it's coming out and it becomes like this, you know, this thing that people both hate, but also like in some circles, it, it does become popular. Um, wh wh when I view kind of like uh, impressionism uh, adjacent movements, like pointillism, mm -hmm. like like a lot of it just strikes me as just like bullshit. Um, not even that it's necessarily like not technically well done or like whatever, but like it, it seems like it sort of misses the boat, right? Because, um, you know, I, I guess you could say uh, that that Van Gogh is um, uh, a pointillist in, in one regard, right? Which is like he he has these like, and the reason why I went to the um, uh, Dutch site here is because they, they have this like really nice zoom in. Mm -hmm. um, you see like the the physical like you you see the brush strokes like all individually like like, like you see like uh you know at, 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 at the at the sky like those like almost like individual like pieces of blue tape right being lined next to one another so you have like some of that um you know ge geometric space going on but it's not you know euclidean uh and it's also pointless in the sense that like each one of these strokes is like it's made to be very discreet and very noticeable right yeah. Um, but every one of these strokes adds up to something here that, you know, pointillism usually you like most works in like the pointillist school, uh, they don't really add up to anything except points. And there's no really reason for it to be done in such a way. But here you have clear reasons for why, you know, do you make the sky in this way? Like when you get into this corner, right? Uh, the, 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 the fact that, you know, it's it, like near the top, you can't even make a distinction between, you know, uh, 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 crows as well as the sky right they they start to to merge right um and this is just like a lot more dramatic than most impressionism not that that's not great artwork i think you know we've discussed a uh, uh, great artwork uh, uh, in, in this episode but um uh uh, th 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 this this sticks with you. Um, yeah. Well, let's put it this way: maybe it doesn't stick to all people, but this layers meaning in ways that impressionism, I feel, was like very much building up towards, right? Because here, you know, you have even you know a deeper and deeper sets of narrative, right? Throughout, you know, like all of Van Gogh's uh, works, and uh, this this is a good one because you see the same kind of interplay of color, you know, like where would it add up to, you know, what does this mean? Why, why is the color just this way? Uh, but, you know, you could easily answer the question why the black is, you know, sort of merging with the blue. You could easily answer the question why this looks like a sort of, you know, crooked kind of path. Uh -huh. You could easily answer the question, you know, why uh, are you so kind of um, 
you know, a force to, you know, essentially gravitate to the yellow and how kind of like, you know, off putting this kind of almost, you know, jovial, you know, bit of fall is next to, you know, like, like you, you can't, you can't fully give into it because so much of this color is red and so much of it, you know, uh, darkens. Right. So, you know, and, yeah. and like what I just described is kind of like, it, it, it's fairly, you know, it's fairly basic, um, you know, impressionism, but it does do things with it that, you know, previous, you know, I, I don't know if it's controversial to call Van Gogh an impressionist, but I've always just like mentally put him in that category. But, um, you know, th- th- this, th- th- this to me is a kind of, you know, logical, you know, climax to, to impressionism. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that Van Gogh's traditionally been considered a post impressionist, but it, it doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, the, the important thing is what you said, where we do reach sort of a, a fresh conclusive point uh, mm-hmm. of of the trends that had been coming beforehand in him um, color as well you know really really vibrant application and liberal use of color um, I had that quote from him that I put in my show notes that I can read oh, yeah, yeah. too Let's do that. Um, so uh, I think as as usual this was him uh, writing to Theo probably but um, So he just says, declaring that color was free and therefore relative, Van Gogh wrote, color expresses something by itself. Let's say that I have to paint an autumn landscape with yellow leaves on the trees. If I see it as a symphony in yellow, does it matter whether the yellow that I use is the same as the yellow of the leaves? No, it doesn't. Yeah. And so... Like in that way, you know, I mean, it, it is this boldness to, I mean, he's doing a few things within that comment, right? He's talking about color as its own, uh, you know, powerful form through which to communicate. And he did that about as well or, or better than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also the, um, the arbitrary nature and uh, ability of the artist to make these kind of decisions and to, uh, to, to enact their will upon a canvas, a piece of paper, a, a strip of film, I mean, whatever it's going to be, whatever the medium might be, uh, to communicate the ideas that they want put across. So like, you know, again, from the standpoint you're talking about where we have kind of like this ultra impressionist or post impressionist with Van Gogh, it's like we go from someone like Monet playing with space, someone like Monet playing with time and these more and more like hazy depictions of what's going on to Van Gogh, which is, I mean, it's kind of hazy in a way because we know this isn't a pure depiction of reality. Obviously, it's uh, it's much more sketchy and bold in its treatment than that. But um, this is him saying, you know, what matters is is reality, how I perceive it, and I'm going to show you, you know, what what I perceive, and you as the viewer have to to interact and deal with that. Um, you know, and Van Gogh's had like one of the strongest. Uh, it elicits among the strongest emotional response from viewers of any artist ever, I think. Um, and yeah, like, what, 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 yeah, you, you often hear like, oh, you have to like, look, look at art, like up close and personal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like that to me usually is like kind of bullshit. But uh, to be fair, when I when I was in um, you know, Amsterdam, and I saw, you know, uh, I saw Van Gogh paintings, and I saw like this, like, up close this like really chunky 
you know, use of use of pain in this way. Um, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a very different kind of dynamic than if you were to kind of like zoom out and view it because, you know, he, he's, he's extremely textured in that textured in that way. Right. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it's kind of a cliche at this point, but like art um, curators will talk about how, Oh, like a, a Van Gogh could cut you because the, yeah. the oil paint is like dried and it's like spiky and coming yeah. off, it's textured, you know, coming off of the canvas at you with how thickly it was applied and like his paintings took forever to dry or like, it, you know, may theoretically not ever fully yeah. dry because of that, this kind of thing. But, you know, um, those are smaller things that again, like aren't quite as important as the overall, but like the decision to do that, mm -hmm. you know, and to, to make it almost a part sculpture in addition to the painting and then the really heavy use of, uh, of arbitrary colors and this kind of thing um, is, is important. Um, so, yeah, I, I think too that when you compare it with something like pointillism, uh, you know, this is this is definitely a more powerful treatment, you know, um, that, and, and like gives itself a reason to be a painting more so, right? Like a, a pointillist, um, a, a pointillist painting in a way, you know, it's like the pixels on a computer screen or whatever, and um, it takes on a little bit of that idea. Uh, and, and it just kind of seemed a little bit more gimmicky. This seems yeah. like a, 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 um, a way to communicate and a, a means by which to express, um, you know, with, with Van Gogh's painting style. And of course, like this painting is, has mostly like straighter, um, you know, heavily applied palette knife or, or brush strokes, whereas like his swirl technique was also uh, really interesting, you know, the way he would employ that. But your question was, you know, d does Van Gogh require potentially just a more nuanced treatment, I think we've already kind of gone through some of that mm -hmm. here, um, than, than what the art and physics kind of interpretation allows. Um, and, and he talks about Van Gogh a little bit more in, in terms of color and, um, you know, almost on the verge of Fauvism with, uh, with what was to come. So, um, you know, I, I think one other quick thing I'll say about Van Gogh, uh, and then see if you have anything else we want to move on again is, I did watch, uh, so speaking of, of Ethan and the new house, he put out a video just a little while ago. Um, it's like maybe 25 minutes long talking about Van Gogh and, um, and his work. And like one of the, the things that is just kind of like a trivia thing that was interesting to me that I got out of that was that um, he was saying, talking about like Van Gogh's arbitrary depiction of the world, like, and he mm -hmm. did, the, you know, these, all these self portraits, uh, which are among his most famous works. But I guess, in real life, uh, apparently Van Gogh was, uh, was quite overweight, you know? Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And, and like even less attractive, uh, you know, than, than what he like pictures himself to be, which is just interesting. Cause when you look at his self portraits, he's very angular, you know, and, and kind mm -hmm. of like skinny and, um, almost like, uh, you know, like emaciated uh, a bit mm -hmm. in like a few of them. So, so that, and maybe that was true. Like later on, if he was struggling for, uh, like for, for, money for food or whatever, but nonetheless, um, you know, just pointing to him, you know, just deciding how to depict the world. And, and this is how yeah. I want to present what I'm seeing. And, and it also makes sense. I mean, like being fat is also just like, it's just another version of like emaciation, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, there, you know, it's just, uh, if, if we're talking about having too much food, not enough food, um, you know, we're still just broadly speaking, talking about problems right so to the extent that he could have shown himself as fat versus skinny you know uh, or, or too skinny and emaciated it's like you know they both kind of hit upon 
you know, they would both hit upon like Van Gogh's problems with himself or the world or whatever. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So, uh, in, in the book, how much does Schlein talk about Matisse? I mean, again, uh, I'm just, there's like two, three pages, I think just on the blue. Right. So he's he's like very emphatic about, about the blue. Right. And he also talks about one of the paintings we'll show. I mean, I can pull it up now, which would be uh, the yeah. dance, right? Because the use of blue in there and also the, um, let me screen share quick. Hold on. The, um, the lack of connection between all of the dancers where we get one of the, the um, hands not joining another. Can you see that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this, this part right here, you know, it's easy to see. Um, but yeah, so Shalane talks about like a couple things here again, like the use of color and the liberation of color that, uh, that Gauguin and Cezanne and, and Van Gogh and now Matisse were all part of, uh, with, mm. you know, these more arbitrary depictions of relativistic depictions of light and what it, what it does and does not do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then here, you know, with, uh, like this circle. So these, if you want to call it, you know, hearkening back again to these ancient um, or, you know, forms of antiquity, like a perfect circle that ideally would be joined. And here Matisse has unjoined it and mm-hmm. uh, is communicating these uh, more relativistic ideas about relationships again. And uh, the fact that, you know, maybe not, not everything is these perfectly linked chains uh, as we'd like to, to think about it and, and perceive it. So, um, you know, the, this is a very good painting. I mean, again, there's, there's like, we could talk about it in terms of Schlein's interpretation, and then we could go beyond that and talk about it just with uh, its own meaning that it's maybe implying because it's, you know, we've got a, a simplification of the human form here, like radically, um, more or less childlike in the depiction of of how much or how little detail is really there. And even like the blue and the green, like, what is this? Is this a sea and the shore? Is it a hill in the sky? Like we, mm. we just can't really know because there's so little information imparted. You could have that interpretation. I mean, you could say like, it could be the sea because, you know, although yes, his, his foot is entering it, uh, it, you know, it could just be the shoreline. Like, like he, he knows how to give an appropriate amount of evidence so mm-hmm. that um, you know you have something to latch onto. You have something that you're able to say, you know, just kind of like uh, 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 objectively. Um, and uh, uh, one thing I would say, though, like just just to, I'm not sure if you have anything to say about like the Leonard Schlein interpretation of of uh, this painting, or perhaps what it would be. But um, I, I understand some of the like uh, arguments about this, you know, sort of being primitive to this kind of uh, art in some ways. And uh, I think that's all valid. But when he starts talking specifically about color, right? Um, when he says things like, uh, uh, like he has like a couple of pages just about the, the blue here, right? And, you know, he, he makes a big deal of the blue in terms of what is uh, ultimately known about 
the color in relation to the sky, what it, why it uh, appears that way, what its significance is, you know, compared to, you know, classical Western tradition, you don't really have blue skies kind of uh, appearing anywhere, at least not in this kind of, you know, very, you know, uh, uh, overt um, uh, way, like even if this is a sky or if, it, if, or if it's like, you know, uh, the ocean or, or, or something else. Um, but uh, the, he never quite, though, experienced, like 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 first of all uh, uh the idea that you would use this as a presaging of the physics in that way like that specific example does, doesn't strike me as very um like if he just kept the generic like this might you know presage physics in some way i could sort of see in my head like a, a couple ways where that's the case but i feel like that specific example is just kind of um you know it's it's probably an overreading it's probably you know just like a, a just so story that he was later kind of more and more guilty of in his other books um and and, and you know the, the thing is like it's never really defined like okay so you're saying the color is very important you're saying uh you know all manner of uh, of things about this so what exactly is the importance of this blue or this green when you have you know uh, Picasso uh, used as uh, he uses Picasso later on uh, uh, to say like uh, Henry Matisse is the only um, uh, painter left that still understands how to use color right still yeah. understands the potential of color well what exactly does that mean? I mean, like, so, so what, what is the potential of color? What, what, what is the effect, right? Beyond merely saying, here's the painting. Um, I, I'm not so sure if, if the art and physics portion of the analysis uh, is, is very uh, convincing to me. I, I think uh, we would have to like default to the things that you were saying, Joel, about, you know, um, you know, some, some of the more kind of like, uh, mythological elements, some of the more kind of like, you know, uh, ambiguities of exactly where they're standing um, and, 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 and uh, probably like have like uh, even maybe a little bit of a, of a, of a narrative element. And yeah, of course, like the fact that this, this, these hands are not linked. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of the, the most, uh, I think it's one of the most important things. It's, it's, it's almost like a variation of, you know, God, uh, uh touching, uh, Edom's, uh, Adam's, uh, finger. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's almost a play on that. Uh, and you know, clearly like when we're going to get to Picasso, right. This is, this is like, it's not cubism, but it's a kind of like distortion that would logically lead to cubi cubism. I mean, look at this like back leg over there in the bottom, um, right. Like it's, it's almost like these vines, these like gray vines, like enveloping it. Like what, what does that mean? Uh, the, the, these forms are kind of true to life in the sense that, you know, they, they, you know, they cover the shape, what are breasts? They tend to be around. Okay. We're going to have round breasts and ass tends to be around. We're going to make that round too. But beyond that, like clearly we're losing, you know, tons and tons of, of, of realism outside of these kinds of like almost, you know, cardboard sort of like, you know, almost uh, arch type figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say quickly too, because uh, I'm at the section of the book where Matisse talks about this painting and a couple of his other arguments for the physics side of it is uh, the carbon atom and yeah. being composed of, you know, four, like four molecules that are always, always quote, asking another to join them. So oh, it's just silly, right? I mean, that's yeah, just, and that, that yeah. one's like, he's stretching pretty far there. I mean, I think like as artists ourselves, we probably would say like, well, okay, if we were painters and like working on this canvas, it it sort of just so happens that probably five figures were like 
the, the right way to bring this together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, again, yeah. it's a huge, it's a really big painting. Yeah. Um, you know, like eight and a half feet by 12, almost 13 feet. Um, and, and so I, I think, you know, Matisse probably just conceived of this and, and he also painted two versions of this, by the way, the second one has much deeper red figures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was, was that, was that the first, oh, oh, this one was the first one. I thought this, that one was, this was 1909 and then that was 1910. Oh, I see. Um, and, and it, like most of the rest of it is, is pretty much the same, but the, you know, the human figures are like mm-hmm. this deep red color, but anyway, um, so, so there's that. And then he also talks about the blue in the context of like, as we discovered more about, um, heat and energy and the spectrum of light associated with that. Most of us think of like a fire in a blast furnace as yellow, orange, red. But then what we eventually found out was like the Bunsen burner had this bluish purple flame in the hottest part of it. So he tries to relate like the blue almost being um, similar to like our eventual discoveries about nuclear energy and like the, the most intense forms of energy and heat. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Part, and how yeah. they actually revert to the cooler side of the color spectrum, again, counterintuitively. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, maybe there's something to that. I think there's probably more to that than uh, like, yeah, carbon, like, the carbon it, atom idea. I, I, I just feel like it doesn't really like that kind of critique doesn't really say anything. I mean, I, I can say like generically, yes, or in a physics thesis is correct. But when you get to not all, but some of these examples, and I think some of the examples that you just listed uh, w- would fit here. Um, it's just not... Um, like it, it, like it's it's it it may be an explanation of some sort, but it doesn't really explain what matters, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. And it, it like you said, it, it probably fits a bit into the just so uh, category because um, you know, it, I mean, in a sense, this this painting is. I, I think it communicates on, for the most part, on on other levels uh, besides. Mm-hmm. You know, these uh, shoehorn arguments about the art and physics, you know, he, he talks uh, about, you know, about how like short, shortly after this painting, Einstein uh, figured out exactly why the sky is blue. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, th- and I think like Shalane's interpretation is that the blue in this painting is the sky, not the sea. Again, I, I don't know that we can necessarily know that, but um, anyway, yeah. So, so some of it maybe holds up uh, others of it. I, I think he's stretching a bit. Um, kind of like the hands in, in in the painting there yeah yeah um i i, I think we could probably move to a uh, cubism here um okay and then after that let's let's just finish up with like the the asian uh art yeah. um there's yeah. some comments to say about that and then just like a a wrap-up of some like you know comments and and questions um Sounds good. I'm still on the screen share. Yeah. Uh, let me move to. I can. I can pull up Les Demoiselles d'Avignon here. Yeah. So. 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 Let. Let's now. Um. Just like situate though. Uh, um. I'll stop the share for a second so we can just yes. chat before the painting. Yeah. So. So we're we're at the point of the analysis in Leonard Schlein's book where okay so we have. Jota, uh, uh, we have proto perspective. We have this reemergence of rationalism. Now we have a blueprint, right, for the arts, and we get a kind of culmination of this. Although Shalane doesn't say this, I would. We get a culmination of this uh, with uh, Rembrandt. After Rembrandt, uh, not much is going on. We need to push further. Now we have impressionism, and uh, uh, we're at the part where um, 
you know, we've already sort of like uh, allowed kind of like Einstein into into the equation. And Shalane has this kind of like summary, right? So, uh, so far, I, I think this summary applies to all the art that we've seen, including uh, uh, Matisse as well. Um, uh, so his like rundown of uh, a special relativity and the ideas that it forces uh, the world to contend with is as follows. So these are bullet points. Number one, space and time are relative, are reciprocal coordinates and combine to form the next higher dimension called the space-time continuum. They are not constant, absolute, and separate. Um, there's Number two, there's no such thing as a favored point of view. For objects of substance, there is no inertial frame of reference at absolute rest, and the ether does not exist. The rules of 19th century causality under certain relativistic circumstances are abrogated. Color is not only an inherent property of matter, but depends also upon the relative speed of, of an observer. Um, a universal present moment does not exist. Uh, and observations about reality are observer dependent, which implies a certain degree of subjectivity. So, I mean, all these things that are, you know, baked into a special relativity, like we've already seen like, you know, so many hints of that, right? I mean, whether it's Monet saying we need to have, you know, uh, uh, multiple, um, uh, uh, you know, like we need to have as many pers perspectives as, as possible on, you know, this haystack or, or this cathedral. You know, the only reason why Monet would say we need, you know, 20 different paintings of the same thing is because, you know, he does implicitly state that there is no single point of reference. You know, there is no single like universal time. Like I can't, I can't capture this cathedral as this is the cathedral and it's most, it's most like, you know, a cathedral-esque position, look, lighting, whatever. Like there's just no way to do that. The best you could hope for is to try to like, you know, uh, inductively, right? Uh, mm -hmm. get more and more paintings and and perhaps have these sort of like uh, temporal kind of shifts within the individual paintings themselves like we discussed earlier uh, when we talked about Monet. Um, so, I mean, you know, like Einstein, like in, in so many ways has already been kind of like prefigured here, right? So we don't, you know, we, we don't even have to get into uh, uh, cubism, right? Um, but, but, you know, it, 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 essentially though, like cubism is, uh, you know, just like Van Gogh was like the, the, the clear kind of um, logical extension and, and in some ways endpoint of, impri of impressionism, um, uh, 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 we have like with Picasso uh, the, the endpoint for like the, to get back to the art of physics portion of the argument, like, you know, like the, the, the this like, how can you fully show, you know, like special relativity and, and uh, Schlaine would argue that, you know, this this is going to happen through cubism and it happens through cube cubism specifically because you have in one painting you know uh essentially like multiple vantages you have also that you know almost like that mosaic quality uh going back to the medieval era like you, you're kind of like dipping uh -huh. into literally you know you you have euclidean space you just do um you 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 have you know a proto perspective as well as true perspective like you know there, there's there like uh, there's this one uh, i forget the name of it there's this one painting uh by picasso where uh to show kind of like almost like the lecherous quality i guess of like this male he's like walking with his arm over this 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 uh girl and she's almost kind of like cowering and his 
like he's kind of like large, but the arm just kind of like becomes huge, right? Like all enveloping, right? Clearly uh-huh. that violates, you know, if you want to take it to perspective, like that violate that violates perspective in that logical space. But you know, you have tons of like Euclidean spaces in, in, in the cubist portion of like the cubism, cubism itself, right? When you literally have like those kinds of cubes. Um, so like all of this is being dipped into to show like, you know, comprehensively, what do we need to to see the world anew, to see the world further you know einstein says says special relativity uh picasso would say you know uh he, he, here's that you know being kind of you know transcribed into into the arts right being being kind of like prefigured by by the art so um so uh, we're kind of like you know near the kind of end point of of uh leonard schlein's uh, argument here um right well and also picasso uh implementing the the more um primitive, um, whatever you'd call it, you know, like primitive style, uh, I guess in, in his painting, you know, and the, the connection to, uh, which we'll, we'll feed into probably our talk in a minute here about like Eastern versus Western slash Western versus any other, uh, culture, like conception of time and space, but the usage of, of those kind of, uh, figures and, and models for his work and, and, all of those more like there you go there's the painting um you know just their conceptions of of time and space being different from uh from from the western so yeah i I mean i agree with all of that where like we get Cezanne's um multiple perspective you know with his his still lifes but here in in like a you know, a, a different kind of setup, although there is like a, t- a tiny little bit of still life at the bottom of this painting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's which, which is like a very underrated part of the painting, I feel. Yeah, it is. It's, it's uh, it, maybe like, what, what would you say? Like a, a table corner almost jutting out yeah. down there. And then like the, yeah, just the, the yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, the, the, yeah, these are supposed to be fruit, right? And the only reason why I know them to be fruit is the shape and just yeah. like a little bit of the color, like the fact that it's red, right? It's like, okay, it's some kind of pear or apple or something with like the silver stem. And then like you have like, you know, these like, it almost grapes. looks like, you know, like, like the silver coins. Right. Uh, but these are grapes. It's so kind of like inert and so, you know, tasteless and so kind of like, you know, this is supposed to be, you know, sultry, but it's not, right? It's not, um, it's not enticing at all, right? As, as food. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, um, you know, there's that inclusion of, of like the still life and maybe that's almost an homage in a way to, uh, to Cezanne and, and some of the other yeah. artists who came before him. But, um, you know, so there's that, there's, there's like the radical, um, you know, depictions of, of different planes of space and, and like perspective on the faces. Right. So these just different, uh, different planes that make up mm-hmm. the, the Aboriginal or uh, African mask style of, uh, at least those two faces on the right, you know, very intensely. And mm-hmm. then the other three in, in their own way as well. Um, there's again, like just, just circling back with all the different things we've talked about. There's no horizon. There's no, there's no scene. We don't know where they are. Um, it's, it's probably just some kind of, we have a sense, we have a sense of where they are. Yeah. You know, like some kind of room, uh, with, you know, maybe some drapery or like a bed or uh, who can say exactly for sure, but 
you know, they're, they're, they're somewhere. We just don't know exactly where, um, but there, there aren't any other real markers of like lighting or time or, uh, you know, I mean, color gets used here instead yeah. again, you know, for, for more expressiveness than those other traditional things from the history of mm. painting. Um, but there's, there's also not really a whole lot of perspective. You know, it's very flattened. Everything's mm -hmm. very flattened. Uh, not a whole lot like retreats back into three-dimensional space. It's a little bit more um, here in our face. And, and like my final comment on this in terms of, again, just trying to keep mining and going beyond like Schlein's discussion of this artwork and cubism. Um, maybe you have your own thoughts on this, but like the, the decision to use uh, prostitutes you know, as the subject matter. And, and my initial reaction to that in the context of this is like, once again, like is position in society relative in a way, right? Like, you know, I can just take, take these women who are in this particular position and why couldn't that have been you as the viewer? Like, do you have any way mm -hmm. to know that, you know, it's not just, um, anything other than blind chance that, that makes you have your privileged position to be here viewing this artwork and, and whatever station you occupy in life versus their station in life. And, and again, is that something that's just, um, you know, almost morally relativist in, in a sense? Um, I don't know if you, if you have any, any, uh, inclination that way at all, but it was just something that occurred to me. So, yeah, I mean, th th that's, that's a good, uh, uh, observation. I mean, I, I've, I've always just interpreted this as kind of like, you know, um, you know, all, all the kinds of associations that you might make, especially like painting as it relates to like, you know, something like, like prostitution, you know, you would expect there to be some kind of sultry scene, but I mean, like just, just the fact that it could be so, you know, nightmarish. Like, again, we talked about, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the still life here that is not, um, you know, that is not uh, in any way desirable. Uh, I've always like loved like this figure. So like, you know, the way that she clearly, like in terms of like, um, any to the extent that you could talk about like logical organization in the painting, like clearly this is her back, right? Um, and, yeah. and, and, you know, uh, the back is facing you, but you know, her head is like turned around, like, you know, <laughs> right. essentially like, like an owl. Right. Um, yeah. and you know, you, you have like these, you know, like you have on the one hand, very, uh, Matisse like, um, uh, breasts, uh, but also you have highly angular ones too that are not, um, you know, that, that, that are not like normal, you know, feminine, you know, uh, shape or forms, right? Um, you have this like, just this hand that's coming out that's like, you know, it's the same color here. Like there's like, maybe, the, you know, she's standing in shadow, like who knows what's going on here, but you know, it, the, he gets the same kind of color right and, and the hand is not you know it's so at this point so kind of distorted in terms of being large so masculine mm -hmm. in that regard and um you know also occluded and the fact that it's just kind of and it's coming out like this is supposed to be something like erotic like oh yeah i'll just sort of like in a model-esque way you know yeah. raise my arms up but instead you know we, we have like this kind of you know grisly kind of you know touching you know the ceiling where it just looks like a dirty hand and what's going on like underneath the fingernails um and you know like the the the, the fact that and, and this is the interesting part it's like you 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 could have painted you know uh uh this brothel as a um like uh, well i'm assuming it's a brothel right most likely uh and um like you could have painted some realistic faces here uh 
and you could have painted like their emotional expressions, but by giving them this mask, which by its nature, like a mask, like you, you had this like observation in, in the show notes uh, for this, where you were like, um, you know, like, like, like primitive representations don't show any one thing in any one time. It's kind of like a more, you know, expansive representation. Well, this, th this kind of like, you know, perhaps like lack of emotion, this kind of, you know, uh, you know, deadness in a sense, like, you know, you, you could imagine, you know, like a turn of the century brothel having, you know, women that are, you know, kind of like uh, hurt in this way by, by their position in life. Right. So, you know, you, by giving them an African mask, it's not like blackface. You're literally, what you're doing is you're just, you're, 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 you're replacing all the kind of, you know, emotional possibilities with, um, uh, uh, the one that is represented by this kind of unemotional mask. Right. Um, so, and, and then like a more extreme version of it, of it here. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and, you know, it, interestingly, like as, as a bit of trivia, like, you know, uh, 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 Matisse and Picasso had like a big kind, you know, they were rivals. Um, you know, one thing that I find interesting about like the fact that they were rivals is so, okay. So there's this, you know, painting the Matisse does, right. And he, I assume that he assumes that this is a, a legitimate, you know, good painting. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he has, like, a lot of the same kind of angular stuff going on. Like I said earlier, like, this is, like, a foot being eaten, essentially. It looks like, you know, by, uh, you know, some kind of vines or something. Or, you know, it's it, it's something that is not just, you know, normal, um, you know, like, like normal uh, depiction of, of a foot, right? And it's not necessarily, like, I wouldn't call it, like, grisly in the way that, that Picasso might be, but um, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely not inviting in, 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 in some ways. And, um, uh, you know, the, these shapes are, are still kind of distorted, but to, you know, to Matisse, like, you know, kind of like, you know, he, he uh, I think Matisse was like 10 years older or something. Um, and, and uh, they are uh, like, but, but, but like to Matisse, like this was a step too far. Like he saw this and you know, he just completely flipped out. Like he said that this thing should not have been done. This is just a mockery of modernism, right? Yeah. This yeah. is making fun of modern art, right? This isn't a riff on modern art. This isn't, you know, a, a, a legitimate kind of addition to modern art. This is just kind of like, you know, a pointless haranguing of modern art. And the fact is like, we, we know that, that that's not the case, right? I mean, we know right now, like with, with the uh, gift of uh, hindsight now more than a century, um, we could say that, you know, this is clearly uh, in addition to modernism and Matisse, like thinking that this went too far, you know, maybe that was a legitimate criticism in his head, but I think like taking a wider historical view, you know, this is Matisse uh, responding to, um, you know, s uh, something that was just kind of like, you know, even ahead of Matisse in, in, in many respects. Um, and, you know, like kind of like like not not seeing, you know, a, a place for what you're doing, kind of thinking like, you know, maybe what I'm doing here is like the logical endpoint of whatever this set of movements is. Uh, uh, and, 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 th and this therefore, you know, is, is out of bounds. Um, to, I was going to say too, that in, in regards to his use of primitive, um, figures and, and imagery here that, you know, Shlaine does talk in the book, uh, about like the, the more 
the non-Western conceptions of, of time and space and how like there are certain uh, people groups where like to try to orient a, a work right side up is is strange or uh, you know in in their language they don't have tenses there's no past present future everything's in mm-hmm. eternal now um this kind of stuff which which also then feeds into his larger discussion about just generally eastern versus western uh conceptions of mm-hmm. of time and space and so um i don't know if you wanted to use this to to bridge to that or if there's more to say about cubism i mean you know Schlein's big uh, like I, I would call this kind of the crescendo of the book in a way, you know, yeah. when, when he gets to Cuba, Although there's like, there's like almost, you know, 250 pages after it, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of book left, but this is the high point. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, is, is when he kind of reaches the culmination of all these prior discussion points and really that like 1800 to, to 1920, 1930 stretch of painting. Yeah. And uh, you know, he gives so much, uh, credence, you know, rightly so, but uh, just a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of pages to Einstein, yeah, in, in yeah. the physics community, right, and like everything leading yeah. up to relativity and yeah. uh, and the importance of that. So, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to say about that specifically. It looks like you might have a Duchamp uh, work. Yeah, I mean, uh, j- just like there. there's you know futurism in the um, in the book as well. Um, and yeah. you know uh, Duchamp is, is is an interesting uh character like mostly because like i mean when when this thing was uh hung up like you know all these other modernists around him they were like you know we don't know if this belongs in the same category not even not even like qualitative judgments but just like you know is this even part of our movement you know get this guy out of here like just like you know like the, just just seeing these people like behave like in such kind of like bitchy ways you know it's just kind of like um you know like 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 you know gatekeeping everything and duchamp like you know he he didn't have any you know like yes like uh he you know he was associated with so many movements but like i i you know i think it's overstated the fact that people tried to pin him down in any particular way i mean like i wouldn't call this making fun of modernism right no, like no. Th- th- this is just saying okay so so if modernism says this if cubism says this um you know uh, uh you know how, how can i just keep pushing this oh okay so i'm gonna call this a new dis- dis- uh, descending a staircase and here actually uh, he put the title here in french um mm-hmm. and you see the little signature there uh, and, you know, I'm going to give you also like, you know, dozens, you know, perhaps even more perspectives. I'm going to show you what this looks like in time. And also, you know, he hated the concept of, uh, of the nude, right? He was like, you know, yeah. the, the nude is such a trite part of, of uh, uh, visual art. And, you know, it's, it's kind of true, right? Um, uh, and, you know, he, here's like a new way, I guess, of doing it. You know, it, like, is this uh, a, a, a great uh, painting? I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of hard to say. It's definitely not, you know, the best if we could broadly define define this as 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 cubist but clearly it belongs right there's things of substance and a value you could say about it it's done in a way that's interesting um you know to sort of like you know push them out of this movement it's kind of you know it's kind of silly and you know after after like they they decided to like no longer hang hang his painting um you know he was essentially just like you know like fuck this like i'm not gonna get involved in any kind of like schools or any kind of like you know uh cliques like it's just so fucking silly and 
you know, weirdly enough, like when you, when you look at modernism, like Duchamp just seems like in some ways, uh, although like he seems like superficially the silliest of like so many people involved in modernism, he's probably like one of the most mature actors, not only in terms of like his art, but also in terms of just his kind of like, you know, philosophical orientation. I don't know if you have anything yeah. to say about that or, or, or this painting. I mean, I don't have too much else to say about that. Yeah. No, no, I don't have anything to add there. Um, I, I pretty much agree with your assessment on, on Duchamp. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the last artist that I had mentioned uh, who gets a brief mention in the book um, is Mark Chagall. And I, I think you might have um, a, a painting from him there. Same idea, you know, fused some, some of the prior movements together. So a lot of the uh, intensive color treatments of Fauvism with some of the cubist representations. And I, I think he, you know, his work is a bit more uh, immediately accessible when you, when you look at it compared to uh, like a, a usual cubist painting, the narrative comes to you a bit more quickly and it's recognizable forms and, and this kind of thing. Um, but I in the village, uh, you know, with like, these yeah like the deep green of that one figure and then like the, some of the houses being just represented completely upside down or one of the figures upside down um and and so on and like kind of this interesting like double or triple usage of a, a lamb or a sheep or you know like whatever animal we want to say that is there um facing off with the with the human figure so um you know chagall is is one that i i think is a bit underrated just in art history, I don't, I don't feel like he's talked about all that much, but uh, I, I think he did from time to time a, an exceptional job with uh, with some of these things. He's a little bit too one note with some of his imagery. Like he, yeah, puts, I agree. he puts goats in like every single painting for some reason. There's always like a flying goat going around. Um, but, I, but I think it's an excellent painting as well and another yeah. good um, good artwork to, to kind of summarize some of these ideas leading yeah. up to Einstein. Yeah, I mean, and even if, you know, he might be one note in some ways, I mean, uh, he also just includes stuff that, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say if it necessarily confounds, you know, critics, but, you know, stuff that, you know, might be red herrings, but people kind of go for it anyway. Like, you know, the, we have this tree at the bottom, like, yes, I mean, you know, we could talk about Jewish tr tradition and we could talk about the tree of life and, you know, uh, the tradition of any kind of, you know, uh, most religions actually have some kind of like, you know, riff on, on this kind of like tree of life kind of thing. Um, or maybe like a kind of like, if not tree of life explicitly, then some sort of like, you know, Gaia, Gaia hypothesis, right, for their own you know, underpinning for how the world works. But I mean, you don't have to interpret that in this way, right? I mean, like, I, I feel like I, I read a lot of interpretations where people are, people just really want to rush into saying, oh, this has to be, right? Um, and, and the fact is, like, it doesn't, have to be anything right uh um and but but like you you, you could have that as one of the layers like like uh, to, to to get back a little bit to, to the art and physics kind of you know uh, uh portion of things it's, you know um beyond just like the, the 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 kind of you know insights into physics this might hold like you know uh, i said about monet like the, the, these are you know paintings that are meant to and do evoke in a way 
uh, the way that 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 memory functions, right? And this too, right? Would I mean, um, you 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 have like you know churches in the background. You have um, you know uh, uh, images from from folklore, right? There there is some kind of a, a tradition here, some kind of memory that that is being uh, uh, evoked, right? But you don't have to ever pigeonhole yourself into one kind of analysis right you don't have to say tree of life you don't have to say that this is necessarily a fairy tale you don't have to uh, uh, do any of that right you could you could stack these layers um, in 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 uh, a non-euclidean fashion as it were <laughs> and and, right. and and be happy with that um, uh, Leonard Schlein in Art and Physics, um, he has uh, a section on Asian art. It's not that long, but um, there—I mean, there, there's enough there that uh, I, I think uh, we should we should probably uh, discuss. Probably because, like, I feel like it, it presages some of the um, maybe some of the problems in the book, and also some of the like merits merits of the book, right? So he has this um, uh, set of quotes that. Maybe like first we could go through the quotes a little bit and 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 discuss them a bit and then you know look at the artworks themselves to sort of finish things off. Um, so Leonard Schlein writes, and if people have the book, you could follow along. It's uh, 160 page 160 in the old hardcover copy. Um, in the predominant Eastern philosophies, empty space was the void. In Zen teachings, this plenum contained within it the pregnant possibility of everything. From this invisible cornucopia issued forth all that was substance. The large empty spaces contained within an Asian work of art are a representation of this idea. In contrast to a homogeneous Euclidean space that never changes, the Eastern view suggests that space evolves. In the one space is dead and inert, and in the other, it has organic characteristics. To the scientists working in the 19th century, the idea that empty space was an invisible generative living tissue was fanciful, childlike, and not to be taken seriously. It came as a surprise, therefore, when early 20th century Western scientists discovered that particles of matter can in fact be wrung out of a seemingly empty field by quantum fluctuations. From out of a desert-like vacuum can come a squirm squirming proliferation of inhabitants from the particle zoo. This confirmation of the ancient Eastern idea that empty space is alive and procreative forced a reluctant West to rethink its ideas about space. Eastern conceptions of space turn out to be closer to the truth than the flat, angular, sterile space of Euclid. Uh, maybe we could just start with that. I have like another uh, quote that I think is uh, 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 less effective. But I mean, do you have any any uh, responses to what Shalane is writing there? I I do, and I when I first read the book years ago, I don't think I paid a whole lot of attention to this section, frankly. But I, it struck me more this time around, and I I, I think I can see some of what he's getting at. Right, like yeah, if you, if you pull up an example, so there is in this artwork just more more ambiguity, more is more space is just left open. It's unfinished. It's essentially uh, you know almost untouched in certain ways, and just left to the viewer to go ahead and imbue possibility into it and and their own interpretation and meaning into it. So um, you know, I will say that like. 
this is just me riffing a little bit, but like sometimes when you look at artwork like this, it's, it's like a nice, it is a nice change up. It's a nice palette cleanser to some of Western art uh, in terms mm -hmm. of like the, cr the crowding of space. And like, mm -hmm. when you look at this compared to something like a, a cubist work, uh, you know, of course it's like more, it's more relaxing in a way. It's, uh, it's like more peaceful and it's, it's more mm -hmm. immediately relatable, but um, in its own way, there is, an important treatment of of space there where like it's 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 full of it's full of options it's full of possibilities mm -hmm. um i don't know enough about about eastern thought and eastern philosophy to be able to you know confirm or or disprove schlein's claim on the whole like idea of the ether and the pregnant possibilities of the ether in the east and what can come out of it uh it seems like you know i mean maybe that's partly true uh maybe it's a a little bit of a a stretch but um yeah I, I know that, that for me at least when i when i look at some of these artworks um it is nice it, it almost reminds me of like some of the best drawings of, of someone like da vinci mm -hmm. right where there's like just enough given to you uh as the viewer in some of those sketches to be able to to, to get what you need out of it but then leave a lot of mystery there that Mm -hmm. elevates the artwork and, and kind of moves it to the next level. I see some of that in, in some of these uh, Chinese and Japanese works, which then obviously had a lot of influence like uh, throughout the, the 1800s and 1900s in some of the Western uh, cultural and artistic hubs like, like Paris. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think more than anything, this section of the book just kind of gave me like food for thought. I, I haven't formed a ton of, mm -hmm. uh, uh, of my own like takeaways from it yet what about you yeah i mean i i i i think uh for this kind of um you know at the beginning i, I think he he's right right i mean uh, this idea that uh this is it's it you know th this is space that's pregnant with possibility i mean quite literally like this is in fact the case right i mean we have um uh you know we we have these like this is the don't seem to have much in the background, but clearly, you know, we have a traveler that's kind of, you know, looking out. This is generating some kind of thought, right? Um, uh, this, the, you know, the, this, you know, you're, uh, he, he, he keeps doing this thing in the book where he, he keeps calling, um, you know, Chinese landscape, landscape painting as, you know, uh, essentially a prop for meditation and in that kind of limited sense i mean I, I i guess i agree and you know to the extent that yes like a lot of these paintings were in fact used and and you know kind of you know uh uh, uh patronized uh, specifically for that purpose but um uh like so like to to get into kind of more of what he says before we we uh, look at more of these sort of paintings um in contrast to a typical Western painting, the smaller number of visual clues and details in Chinese landscape forces the spectator to become both art and artist in order to supply the missing connections. In this way, well, actually, uh, yeah, this, this part I agree with. In this way, too, the Eastern artists undermine both the 19th century Western artist's idea of perspective and the Western scientist's idea of absolute rest. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, like to the extent that, that Chinese paintings, like, uh, uh, force you to supply the missing details like I, I think that's totally true and i think that also shows like to what degree um you know n not just like visual art but also definitely the written word at that point like i think this painting so uh just to just to uh 
uh, be clear, this is my Yuan, and uh, I believe this is the Song Dynasty. It's either the Tongue or the Song. I'm pretty sure it's the Song Dynasty. So uh, already in the Song Dynasty, uh, we have yeah, we have impressionism. Like like sorry, like this literally is impressionism to me. It looks like a Van Gogh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, look, 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 look at how um, like just these like wisps, like of of um, you know, the these branches, right? Like they're almost made to be translucent, right? Like the the technique here is not simply to use a lighter color um, as you would maybe with like Western paint. But here, you know, if you have this kind of ink, the technique would be, you know, how can we use, like, so like this would be, I guess, one of the main differences between like ink uh, and, and, and paint in that regard, right? Like, like with paint, um, you don't necessarily make it translucent in the same ways. But here, you know, if all you have is like black and, and white, I think originally this was white. I think it just turned yellow over time. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but... Um, uh, the technique that you have available to you is like, let's just apply a lighter brush, right? And we're going to have this like, you know, ethereal, like translucent kind of quality, right? Th the, you know, this is impressionism. And by the way, we're not going to do that for the bird, right? The bird can come out in this kind of, you know, uh, I don't want to say like full force. It's still kind of a little bit impressionistic, but, you know, um, it, it's it, it's not as wispy as, as everything else. Here you have like a, a figure that in contrast to the impressionism, um, here you have very, very kind of sharp relief, right? Like a lot of the, the densest lines, right? Uh, and the clear, clearest lines are, are here, right? Especially since, um, you know, the, the robe is white. Uh, this is going to be the most kind of, you know, stark, stark kind of relief. Um, so, yeah, like, like to me, this is like Impressionism in, in many ways, like centuries before Impressionism, you know, came to the fore. And this was done like without, you know, uh, kind of, you know, uh, modern renaissance you know understandings of painting right w which is the thing that's so kind of fascinating you you like this is right. kind of like this is kind of like a shortcut to einstein you know what i mean um yeah. and, you, and you get to it like you get to it without even going through the scientific discoveries at the end point you might not even have those scientific discoveries but you know uh, in, in in some way your artists are still doing the same presaging and prefiguration that um artists, artists in the west are doing right because you know it, it's just historical circumstance that you know it's just happenstance that, that the science came out of the west but that reality was there like uniformly all across the planet and the cosmos um so 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 to the extent that artists are able to prefigure this like there's no there's no reason to assume that something like the Tang or the Song Dynasty, which were ahead of Europe, right, in terms of, like, cultural development and physical development um, uh, 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 back then. Like, it, it makes sense that you could have people that see ahead because, you know, I mean, culture was ahead, right, uh, of the West by, by so much of this point uh, here. So, um, yeah, yeah, so... so yeah. So they do, they do look impressionist. They also even look uh, a fair amount like the pen and wash drawings of a Rembrandt or, um, you know, or, or other artists from around that time. Uh, so yeah, there, there is, you know, they're, they're out ahead from that standpoint. I will say one of the things that I, I don't necessarily see in, and if you want to use any other examples besides just this one, just so that I can kind of take a look at it and, and confirm what I'm going to say here, but um, Shlaine's point where he talks about how the, the artworks like situate the viewer within the artwork. There is no privileged uh, perspective or, or like one perspective. You're forced to become the artwork, that kind of thing. I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, these, mm -hmm. 
pictorially and in terms of like figure and ground relationships do look a lot like Western artworks to me. Um, you know, I mean, maybe there's, there are some elements that are a bit different, but like that last one, I mean, it doesn't look that different from how, you know, Cezanne would have, yeah, would have drawn up and then painted that kind of and, a and scene. And clearly you have like perspective, right? You have like, you know, Euclidean rationalism, obviously, right? Um, yeah. Right. Like you, 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 you have, you have that, uh, it may be not like, you know, like it's the perspective is not put necessarily to the same use, but you have the same, uh, technique, right? This is also my, you on, this is also, um, uh, yeah, but like also when we say Western painting, like we mean like, you know, last few centuries and, uh, the, the, you know, the, and this right. we're talking about 10 centuries behind. Right. So, um, you know, th th this is why like part of it is just kind of so amazing. And I mean, you, you, like in terms of like just reading this, you know, through an impressionistic lens, I mean, uh, a lot, a lot of the white, right. Like that negative space, like that's probably missed, right. You could do that as a reading, uh, yeah. uh you know, it, it would make sense. Cause you see trees kind of like disappearing there and just, just by having like lighter touches here, you have this disappearance in, into, into the mist. Like this is, um, uh, you know, uh, like this is like a kind of chiaroscuro, right? Like this is, um, you know, a, a variation of it, I guess. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, it, do yeah, it does bring up really interesting questions too about, um, you know, you said just a minute ago that the scientific discoveries happening in the West were kind of, you know, just pure happenstance. I mean, why didn't those same scientific discoveries happen in, uh, you know, in Chinese or Japanese or other Eastern uh, scientific traditions, you know, that, that were at one point very far ahead. Um, I, I think it's a really curious question. I, I don't know if you have any insight into that. Um, well, you know, I, well, uh, well, only because I, I answered sometime in the past few months, a comment under my Coleman Hughes essay yeah. <laughs> where, where, uh, uh, I was, uh, arguing with somebody about, um, the decline of, uh, the, I mean, like, the, you know, the Middle East, right? We used to have, like, you know, a very kind yeah. of, you know, rich intellectual tradition. We had so many, you know, most of the kind of medical um, advancements that were happening in the Middle Ages, like, they were coming uh, from the Middle East, right? They were not coming out of Europe. Um, and, and uh, uh, you know, like, the, the explanations would be, you know, as varied as, like, you know, we had, like, the sort of you know um you know uh, salination of of the soil right in in parts of africa we had um uh the you know the uh, siege of baghdad like from the mongols like like all, all these explanations are, are always like outside of material right um they're not like there's something within the culture that prevented it from reaching you know the ascendancy of like intellectual heights because like sorry like th like th like th this painting is more or less intellectually speaking you know uh the equivalent of like much of giotto right like we don't need you know the you know we don't need the halo effect of the renaissance we don't need like right. any of that we, we you know uh, uh so um you know as far as like why cultures come and decline i mean almost always just like we have like the um the uh uh, uh guns germs and steel thesis for why you know um uh, cultures come you know to the ascent you know we're gonna deal essentially with very similar explanations for why 
um, uh, things go the opposite direction eventually. Because, you know, literally like in history for every culture that has reached ascendancy, we have a culture that has collapsed, like literally, right? Yeah. This is just no way to escape the dialectic. Um, and uh, it's, 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 it's uh, often like the reasons might be varied, but foundationally, I feel like they tend to be very similar. But um, I'm not sure if you have anything more to say about this uh, painting, because uh, I also I found a quote that I, I found find more, more problematic from Shalane um, uh, about okay. kind of like Asian art. Uh, I mean, do you do you want to say anything more before I get into that other jag? Um, no, no, go for it. Go for okay. that quote. Yeah. So, so yeah, a after he talks about so uh, ultimately uh, just to uh, um, whet people's appetite. Uh, we're going to finish uh, the discussion of the specific artworks with 36 views of, of Mount Fuji. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, Hokusai, like famous uh, printmaker, maybe the most famous printmaker in, in Japan. Um, and uh, 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 yeah, so so after Leonard Schlein has his discussion of uh, Hokusai, he, um, he, he sort of like goes back to like, I guess, a bird's eye view uh, of Asian art which I found to be kind of, um, I don't know, like in some ways, like maybe uh, a little bit uh, silly. So let me just put this on as a uh, full screen for you guys. Um, and uh, that could set the mood as I, as I uh, discussed this um, quote. So this is how Leonard Schlein finishes his discussion of uh, uh, Asian art. Um, Eastern and Western concepts of time are as different as the two conceptions of space. In the West, most people believe the past is something we have left behind and cannot, and cannot see unless we turn around, while the present is where we exist momentarily as we stride confidently facing forward into the future in front of us. But in a more accurate metaphor, the Chinese liken time to a river and human awareness to a man standing on its bank facing downstream. The future approaches him from behind and becomes the present only when it arrives alongside where he is standing and he is first conscious of it out of the corner of his eye. Thus, before he can assimilate the present, it is past already. Um, you know, I, I think perhaps like you could say that about like some Asian art uh, conceptually, maybe, but I always bristle at any kind of comment that, that that's that starts something like the Greek culture or Chinese culture or Chinese people believe. Like uh, when I think of like you know P Chinese people believing something about time, just generically, most likely uh, what I would find is you know let's examine like you know personal like like their personal relationships to time like the fact is like each one of us has such a kind of unique you know um a relationship to time like like one of my problem is one of my problems is you know uh, when it comes to my approach to time is i i i over plan quite a bit um uh, i tend to leave like something sometimes to the last minute uh, 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 I often feel, you know, time being so kind of, you know, be, because, you know, I'm, I'm more younger than I am older still, you know, I'm still not fully like, you know, reach what is hopefully like uh, the half point, uh, point of my life. Um, you know, my relationship to time is more so kind of like, there's always this like abstract future that's never going to end. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, right. and you know, like, 
every one of us has like these very kind of like specific relationships to time that's borne out by our personal circumstances, that's borne out by, you know, uh, our experiences, perhaps growing up, how we were shaped psychologically, how we respond to, you know, stress clearly is, is going to have uh, an effect on your relationship to time. Um, so, you know, I always bristle at these like suggestions of like the Chinese see blah, blah, blah. You know, I think that, you know, you could say that perhaps philosophically there is a kind of like intelligentsia, you know, in, in China, in the Song Dynasty that sees, you know, time a certain way. You know, there is, um, you know, perhaps an intelligentsia in, in Japan where, you know, the printmaking might be sort of kind of um, uh, informed by, by, by those conceptions of time. But I, I, I always bristle uh, at those kinds of like broad stro stroke suggestions because I know that the reality of how people see time, it's, it, it's actually more varied and more interesting and, and more unique than Leonard Schlein might give uh, 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 people credit for. And also uh, just on a side note, like uh, when he talks about uh, Chinese landscape, landscape painting, and he does, you know, often go back to like, for example, like Tang Dynasty painting, um, he, he does this thing where he keeps like insisting that the right way to view it is like, this is an object of meditation. So therefore, you know, X, Y, Z. Well, I mean, look, it's true that uh, this is an object of, of meditation in some ways. Again, it could be commissioned for those reasons, but um, uh, you know, it strikes me as, as cogent of a point as saying, well, you know, the right way to understand Charles Dickens is, and, and the right way to understand the, the work of, um, of uh, 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 you know, like like eighteen hundreds uh, Russian classic writers is uh, they were writing by the chapter. They were getting paid essentially by the chapter, so it made sense for them to like really pad out books and make books as long as they were. And that's just kind of like an example of you know artists being artists and eking out a living and sort of you know uh, embracing that bohemian uh, lifestyle in, in that regard, like. You, you could sort of make that argument and yes, like the, the fact that, you know, artists like writers were paid by the chapter explains why we have so many of the excesses that we do in Dostoevsky that we do in Charles Dickens. But that's not, you know, th 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 that should always be just a limited part of the discussion, right? I, I don't want to frame like Chinese landscape painting as like objects of meditation because that, that that's just too limiting or like conceptions of time as 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 just kind of like essentially presaging you know uh, laws of physics down the road um you know because you you tend to miss a lot of that kind of you know ham fist analysis as useful as it is right um I, mm -hmm. i'm not sure like if you want me to like I, I could go through these prints like if you have like maybe you could start off these uh, converse, uh, the conversation about the, the prints themselves. This is uh, a, a work uh, that was um, uh, uh, like so so thirty six prints right that were made between right. eighteen twenty three and eighteen twenty nine uh, in Japan um, by by Hokusai. So we're gonna go through all uh, thirty six of these. So I'm not sure if you have anything to say. Just we've been staring at this for so long. <laughs> uh, I just one quick comment would be that uh, yeah I can understand where where you're coming from on the the conceptions of time like on a culture wide basis and and maybe it's just too broad um, because similar to what we were talking about earlier with individual formations of memory and how maybe someone like Monet plays into that and and what have you um, you know, generally the the concept of of time and how we anticipate time experience time and then remember time is different, uh, you know, to, to every individual person. I do think there's some merit to like just a general cultural trend 
toward toward an overall perception of how how something might be and then you know we would expect to see that come through in that culture's artwork um you know if, if we're going to claim that art has you know as one of its functions these this more visionary quality which you and i would agree it does um you know that that does come through in eastern versus western art and maybe primitive versus uh you know or or considered more primitive versus western art um and this kind of thing and at the same time there, there's like there's a mel- there's a melding and maybe this is just because you and i are you know like we exist presently in the modern age but like you know I, it's not as though everyone in japan rides around on trains saying like well no well whenever the train gets here it gets here mm-hmm. you know like time's circular no yeah. i mean you know like they, they run they run their business they run their lives yeah. uh, on a very timely you know punctual kind of schedule and, and literally someone, like every civilization would have to, to like be competitive in any way. Right. Yeah, of course. You know, so it's, it's not, I mean, and let's face it, you know, some of the, the, the civilizations or societies that maybe haven't at least adopted some of the Western conceptions of like time moving forward or moving ahead, uh, you know, have fallen behind in certain important areas that like, you know, would make the average citizen's life better. Right. In terms of like technology and transportation and medicine and, uh, commerce and all these kind of things. So, you know, there is this um, this cross pollination of different conceptions of time. Uh, you know, because at the same time, someone in Europe or America could take up a, a, a meditative practice or decide to uh, separate themselves from like typical uh, quotidian workaday life and uh, go become a monk or whatever. And all of a sudden, their conception of time is going to alter because mm-hmm. of that. Um, yeah you know, whether yeah. they're like artistically inclined or not, it's, it's just going mm. to happen. So, um, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's too broad of a brush to, uh, to paint with, to say that, you know, an entire culture views time in such and such way. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think there are some, some general, uh, trends. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. let's go through these yeah. prints. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have, you have anything to say about, about, uh, th- this one, the most famous one, I think. Yeah, the most famous one. I mean, this has become like uh, it's just a cultural cliche at this point. Um, but but but, but it's but it, like but it's so much better as the original, right? Because this has so many variations that are inferior. Like I, I've I'm just seeing this like really up close for the first time. Uh, you know, in the past uh, couple of weeks, and um, you know, much better than the recreations that we've seen. Right, right, for sure. And and in its context as a series of 36, I mean, it's very important. I doubt the typical person who would wear this on a t-shirt knows that, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they probably just think it's like, oh, yeah, this Japanese artist made a wave yeah. painting, uh, you know, whatever. So, no, I mean, one of the things that's interesting about this first print in the series um, is actually how large Mount Fuji is. So, mm-hmm. therefore, you know, maybe theoretically how nearby it is mm-hmm. uh, to the sea here. And interesting that like there's no other horizon line, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the the mount the mountain just comes out of the water, uh, yeah. you know, and the the curve of the boat there in that sense. Whereas as you'll go through these prints and a lot of uh, the others, like the mountain is, you know, it's almost like where's Waldo? You mm-hmm. have to like look look for it to find it, and so it's an interesting um, you know conception of like the mountain as potentially either like very nearby and, and part of your immediate surroundings in life or like just off in the distance still existing unto mm-hmm. itself as a monument and doing its own thing while uh, like the, the, the modern world kind of builds up around it. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, to, to the extent that there is any kind of horizon line, uh, I just saw this for the first time, um, you know, this part of the print. Uh, oh, Jesus. 
Um, recently, oh, look at that zooming. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So, like, uh, I mean, th th this black, right? He just said, "Listen, I'm just gonna put some black ink here, and I'm just gonna shade it, you know, down to like a, a, a gray, right? I'm gonna apply yeah. this this much of the brush, um, and." Like that, that is also like a kind of horizon line, but it's also being obscured, right? And also, like, it's being obscured, um, even before Manet, right? Um, yeah, uh, I believe this is predates Manet, right? Uh, yeah, so, so this is this is kind of doing the same kind of effect, and, and, and the fact that, like, I mean, just just using, like, we okay, so we know that you know, blue is the color that that uh, he's using for water clearly, as well as white, obviously, but I mean, you know, th this behind the mountain, right? Um, th this black, like you know, is it just fog? Is it kind of like, you know, going back to this idea of perception? Is it, you know, the, 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 is, it, is it the perception of like uh, uh, um, uh, 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 water, you know, as black in that way? Like, is this just a, a depiction of the horizon? Like what exactly is going on? And the fact that you have enough ambiguity to, you know, to answer this, like any, any uh, number of ways I, I find interesting. Like I did not, I did not notice this detail uh, uh previously so um you know this is something that i wait there's more oh jesus look at that now i would <laughs> completely lose my look at that um and yeah i mean just like seeing this up close like the the little details like th this th th sorry this is impressionism like little impressionistic little like 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 yeah. knobs right like little yeah. little nudges like this is this is sorry guys this is just how we're going to represent water how oh just like some claws coming out right we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna keep we're just gonna keep doing doing this as a kind of like tessellation right and that's good enough it's good enough guys um and it works i mean it, it yeah you it, get the idea it, it works um and but you know uh it, it's it, i i also i also find this just much more pleasant to look at than like baseline you know western uh, impressionism because i mean the, the the kind of like stark uh relief i find uh pretty uh nice right i, I like i like this um uh, I, I, I i i i like how you have so much color distinction here yeah, the, the wave occupies a certain spot in space that, that's distinguished yeah. by the color choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see that. Um, we, we should, by the way, we should make sure not to discuss each as long as we discuss this one because no, there's no, no. 36 of them. Uh, I, I, just, I, I, I think we'll start kind of clicking through. Yeah, yeah clicking through. Um, I mean, any any impressions? I mean, very very Van Gogh like in terms of like you know uh, let let's 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 essentially just like paste on you know, um, right. these like broad, you know, almost touchable kind of an, oh my goodness. I mean, like th this is impressionism. Look, look at these. We're just going to have little triangles for trees, guys. Right. Um, and it's going to, and guess what? It's good enough, right? And it's not just good enough. It's also, um, you know, it's, it's, all, it's also highly memorable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what about the next one? Because then I think it's, it starts. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Starts. Um, yeah, changing. Was this was this higher? No, I, I guess it's the same. I mean, like almost you, you, the same. Yeah, yeah. But the, like those deeper, like chiaroscuro, you know, style yeah. uh, color treatment with with just descending into darkness in the bottom right there. Clouds are, you know, shaped differently. Almost look like little pieces mm -hmm. of popcorn. It's it's kind of they're almost like funny uh, the way they yeah. look. But like it's 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 very easy to underappreciate the fact that like literally like this artist said, okay, how are we going to show clouds? And here we're not going to have clouds, right? We're just going to have fog, and this is how it looks like. Here we're going to have these uh, clouds as like essentially like Van Gogh like discrete units. 
Um, and here we're going to have, you know, clouds, you know, like much more kind of fluffy. And, you know, in each print, like the question is like, if you, if you're going to do clouds, how are you going to do them? Like, you can't just keep doing the same shit over and over again, can you? Right. Um, and even like with the trees, right. We have clear, you know, uh, trees that are not being obscured by anything, but here we have light, we have weather obscuring it. Something is, but the trees still exist, you know, they're still there, but you know, uh, you know, this is, this is like, you know, uh, Monet, uh, looking at the cathedral 20 different times. Um, um, and, and, you know, but it's just being done in a different way. Wait, what is this? This is oh yeah, it's nice. still in the back. Yeah, I, I was back. looking for Mount Fuji. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Like here, Mount Fuji is like um, yeah, you know, it's 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 obscured. Like I literally thought I was clicking at the wrong thing. Yeah, that's what um, I'm saying. It's like the Where's Waldo? Where's Mount Fuji? Yeah, <laughs> sick. It gets even smaller in in some of the later prints. Yeah, but yeah. That that one right there with the uh, like semicircular bridge is again mm -hmm. kind of similar to Monet, right? The water lilies. Yeah. yeah. And still we have the same variation on the clouds. We're just going to do, like, we're just going to leave it white. That's going to be the cloud, right? Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, who knows if this, and this thing has, it has to be part of the cloud. But, but look look how, like, um, you know, sharp this relief is here. Like, it's like, you know, it's almost like carved out, right? I mean, these prints, like, I'm sure there was some level of something like that. Uh, but But here, you know, we're allowed, we're allowing this kind of ink uh, to blend um you know again more vari variations on cloud like and like I, I just love these kinds of you know almost um you know canada-esque like redwoods but also just highly impressionistic just we're gonna give you the shadow or we're gonna give you the red right um mm -hmm. and and you know it's not ostentatious it's just it's just there um let's see what we got Yeah, so the tree becoming more prominent here, yeah. upper left, and then, yeah, this this is one of the ones I remembered uh, with like the the mountain intersecting the roof line on that that building. Um, just kind of kind of interesting. It's like we're situated maybe in some kind of neighborhood or encampment. I don't know. Again, no clouds here. I mean, just the white, right? Again, just yeah. a, a, a totally different treatment. Um, yeah, keep keep going, keep scrolling. Yeah, just give me a quick second. Let me see what's going on. Okay, good. It says it's recording still because I didn't I didn't see that recording over at um, uh, over in the other uh, thing. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, I I you know um again like so so variations on clouds. How do we deal with clouds here? Well, um, uh, the the interesting part is since we have so much blue here, um, this could be like an extended kind of like cloud cover right but not 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 in a way that's necessarily even like cloud d right not in a way that occludes the sun but um you know like variation of a cloud fuck it like let's let's not make any discrete clouds let's just make enough of this shading here uh to you know just you know end up with um uh, a de facto cloud and everything else right so you know that's also kind of clever um look at these rocks right 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 very just, very like very witty right like dots <laughs> like like just very witty a very witty way of of depict depicting this this these uh rocks um and I, I you know i feel like i feel like people are kind of uh kind of um not really too analyzed in 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 his works uh but then again it's kind of like um 
know, in, in, in some ways are sort of there for, you know, uh, I guess to uh, invoke some of the mood that you get much more from, from the color and the overall scene uh, and much more so as a kind of like, you know, perhaps like a little bit of a, a, a props for, for the scene. I'm not sure if you have anything well, to say about the figuration or. No, or he's that. still, he's still a very good draftsman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, these, a lot of those, a lot of those, uh, you know, pen strokes or, or brush strokes on the figures uh, are very similar to what you'd see in the, you know, the quick study sketches of, yeah. you know, Michelangelo, Raphael, yeah. um, Rembrandt, Van Gogh, Picasso. It's uh, the quality is, is there, you know, it's just enough, yeah. just enough to suggest. And you, you understand what, role this uh, figure's playing in the yeah, world and, and there's always like this implied this like this like odd like yeah, not odd but like it's like this implied musculature right um that you know like without this kind of like relief without this kind of sketching like it's almost um you know you're, you're gonna lose something uh the fact that you know everybody's just kind of uniform by the by the hairstyle um you know there's a uh, uh and then you, you just sort of wonder right like with people's like dressed right the same versus like you know who uh like who these uh, uh people are like even if you don't have the sort of a cultural you know cachet and the kind of you know understanding to like make these distinctions between everybody involved um you know there's enough there historically there's enough now that you, you do wonder about the variations like you know uh gray gray carrying something blue almost kind of like almost you know maybe um you know slightly upper class figure striped um, you know, we never get, uh, you know, th this is the same color essentially as the sky, right? So we're going to get this guy, we're going to give him, you know, the same quality as, as the cloud cover. And I mean, just, just enough variation. She, she just always keeps, keep things like interesting and, and fresh, right? So just from purely like te technical standpoint, like even if we don't get into all the highfalutin stuff, um, you know, there's just so much to say right like again like we we got we got a de facto cloud here right and we don't have to do anything we don't have to do anything other than let the natural kind of color you know of the um uh, of the paper do the work for us right it 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 it, it, it fills it in for us um anyway that's all i have to say about that let's see what else we got um Yeah, I mean, it's the same the same kind of cloud technique from a few came back, but now it's like you know, like I, I guess now the problem is like to the extent that let's say you know he feels like okay, I'm experiencing a problem. How do I depict the following cloud cover? Um, we have a more kind of distant kind of higher cloud cover up there, but then you know it's it's clearly like gone down like to the um uh like d down to the surface right which is probably why like if you think about it um just kind of you know i guess logically uh the reason why you would have so much relief here right and the fact that 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 these trees just stand out as much as they do you know is the fact that behind it you have this like totally white you know fog or mist um so so the trees yeah. have no choice but but to do that and i mean just look at these just little just little yellow you know, like stumps, just like, you know, mm -hmm. that, you know, down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and a leg, yeah, I didn't even notice that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, just all these clever little uh, details, but again, just, just, just also again, just so technically competent again, why, why does it make sense? Why, why, why does it make sense to us so much that, that uh, the tree stand out? Well, we have the answer in the cloud cover, right? We have the answer in the fog. Um, 
So, you know, essentially like, and it gets like darker and darker the, 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 the higher up you go, right? So he's essentially like justifying his technical choices like all throughout uh, um, uh, the, the, the print. Right. Yeah, this one's interesting with the mountain more obscured by the yeah the, the construction and then your and the horse you know it's like yeah a, out of the norm a, colors yeah 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 out of the norm colors and uh, you know it takes a lot more prominence um, yeah with the figure of the horse interesting you know almost like you have like uh, you know they're not they're not really seem to be conducting anything truly. Uh, useful they're not like you know sewing uh, uh, you almost get this like feeling of like you know those like kind of you know romantic paintings of like you know the quester right um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know like uh, trek, trek, trekking up this like little uh, uh, hill uh, still Fuji in the back um, I, I find this use of yellow interesting um, you know like okay fuck it you know uh, we're, we're not gonna you know uh, we're gonna do our our leaves by this kind of like you know almost like ink blots and we're going to give them life just by you know all around them in the background just giving them a light yellow color right um and, and that that's going to be you know perhaps like you know the fall you know maybe uh maybe not but um you know it, th th that that's just like one way of doing that uh same thing with like the the leaves in the back right so anytime we get this kind of i guess vegetation or maybe it's just vegetation hit by the light right because we have this like darker blue or sort of you know more lush um you know in the dark right so i mean like weirdly enough like you wonder like where's the sun exactly i mean i assume that's vegetation where is the sun exactly where's the, like, the logical lighting right this is this is all uh, dark and um you know th this this yellow is is the thing that's in the light and also just you know plays off off of this we have the same variations on the blues um you know of same variations on the yellows that are allowed to turn into this green um I mean, it's just it's just so well like constructed, right? Like you, even beyond anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, keep keep clicking through. Uh, yeah, this oh, one. What wow. is that? Again, a hamster wheel? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he's making there. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, uh, interesting to have the mountain like just the tiny. I mean, two strokes or even yeah. one continuous yeah, exactly, stroke. Yeah. You know, yeah. to make the the yeah. um, the profile, the outline yeah. of the mountain. He, yeah. he might he might have not even had to do any of the um white right that could have been already just part of the the um the print itself like before the canvas as it were and you know this uh and like and the green is only there this like little bit of the green like it's all it's only done um for the purpose of like i guess showing that there's snow in the mountain and also right. just like you know maybe shadow of vegetation maybe just like um, you know, occlusion by what we see here in the green, you know, uh, but you're right, like two strokes, leave the white as it is and have just some of the color bleed out, not, you know, from anything else, but just from, from, from the greenery all around. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that, that's a little different, right? This is another variation, right? Um, mm -hmm. Like he, the challenge was like, how do I not do? And I just noticed Fuji for the first time. Like Fuji is now like literally. It's it's also here just those. Well, here's three strokes, right? But um, yeah. uh, it's just like so part of this, you know, 
it's it's even weaker than you know to talk about like use of perspective right i mean you know this this line all you get is a line here you have a, a tree closer up right and we have this like uh, firmer kind of a uh, green for the ink um and just like you know let, let's allow this like generic green to just like meld into the mountain and let's 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 assume let's just assume the snow exists right so you know does the snow exist you know from from place to place like uh here uh, clearly it does but um we could still make the assumption but we don't need we don't need to show it here right we don't need to show it here um because maybe it's less important to whether or not uh, there, there's snow there but and obviously you know the, the use of the wind right um uh uh you know like like again like very like in terms of like showing time right um you know we we have we have that span we have that kind of post Johto, um, you know, uh, uh, it's instant time, you know, per picture, like we've kind of like moved beyond that a little bit here. Um, yeah, this is, this is interesting. This is more like uh, punchy kind of, uh, you know, yeah. almost graphic arts sort of treatment mm -hmm. to the whole scene. Um, more, yeah. more urban with, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's almost as like you wouldn't expect Mount Fuji to be that close uh, mm -hmm. by perspective, you know, to like a, a neighborhood like this or wherever we are. Um, yeah, almost like a comic book style, mm -hmm. anime style on this one. Interesting. Kites in the sky. Yeah. Do you want to... Do you want to go through all thirty six? You just want to click through more uh, more quickly on some of them. Um, got yeah, it. I mean, even halfway through. Uh, j j just to show, like you know, thirty six of them, like showing all these different variations. Um, I mean, here's a variation of water, very different from the first and most famous print. Here's two variations. Yeah. We have water here, right, and we have you know. Uh, uh, waves here right um right we have uh that, that that ripple effect and again you know every one of these just does something different with how to depict clouds how to depict water like there's so much variety here tell me if anything stands out um yeah yeah i will i will i, I mean this yeah this yeah. jumps out like deep winter right again yeah just, uh, just, just like like the, the, using the white around the green yeah right? the, 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 the snow as outlining Mm -hmm. um that's, that's an interesting choice and like yeah that yeah this j j just like we had like the yellow um outlining here right uh you know it could be a variation yeah. of uh seasons it could be a variation on time of day right this could just be sunlight it doesn't have to be the fall mm -hmm. um but here you know it's a similar kind of idea right we're just gonna like crust that and just like you know block it uh, on onto the um the tree itself yep say so workers in in maybe rice terraces or something yeah. like that yeah yeah v uh very also i mean like very nice like little like like just 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 imagine like uh just you know just in terms of physically sitting there right what that would look Doing like work, yeah yeah right um of 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 getting down those brush down the, those brush strokes again highly highly impressionistic and that's all yeah. sufficient yeah um water again i mean w water that is almost like you know it's almost like stone in here mm -hmm. 
right? It's almost like rocks, right? But we're going to, yeah. yeah. And we have like maybe actual, maybe it's just like, you know, water stains, maybe something else, but, um, turtle this on a leash. Is, yeah. Oh, oh, I just saw, saw that. <laughs> you see that turtle on a leash. Yeah. This yeah. is, uh, why is a turtle trying to get away? Yeah. I, 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 I had a tortoise once. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I wonder what is this yellow supposed to be shoreline? Um, I think so. Seems could be. Yeah, uh, a similar technique to what he would do with clouds, right? I mean, it's the right. same kind of thing up there, except it's a different color. So look, we got shoreline, and it's if you think about it, like in terms of like figurations and, and tessellations and all that. Like, I mean, you know, shorelines are kind of like clouds. Like, you could, you, I, I could theoretically imagine a work of art that has the two sort of like you know coagulate in some way. Um, let me just see if there's because. Uh, yeah. I mean, it also has that kind of like, you know, graphic arts quality that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, very, you know, very, very uh, uh, much, much brighter than a lot of these. So I guess we just have uh, people at, at, on, on a beach mostly. Um, I'm not mm -hmm. sure if they're engaged in any kind of productive work. Okay, so we have geishas, and uh, uh, so like, yeah. so this is the first time that I think that people really have a much more, um, well, maybe they're not geishas, maybe they're just kind of like generically Japanese women from a time. Um, but yeah, like I, I wonder, like, what? So like, we haven't had like much emotional resonance to discuss yet in, in these uh, prints in terms of like the, the figures. Like, is there anything here that you notice? Anything here that makes like these people interesting beyond like the, the landscape? Yeah, can you zoom out again to the, the full uh oh yeah full view? Yeah, I mean I I feel like this is this definitely has a, a narrative quality to it. It's a, it seems like we've got several different kinds of people. I mean maybe one or two of them are geishas, but like that one in the lower right might be a traveler of some kind and we have a worker and uh, and what have you so i don't know mm -hmm. exactly what kind of building we're in here but um you know again just just knowing this is from a series of 36 views of mount fuji mm -hmm. and you know the mountain just kind of taking a back seat to this like modern life yeah. uh, seen from life here um yeah the, i mean there's almost like an immediate sadness to this for some reason mm -hmm. i don't really know why yeah, I mean, I mean, there's something going on here that's like, I mean, clearly very old. Uh, yeah. I wonder, like, what is this supposed to be? It almost looks like he's like killing an animal. Um, I, I know it's kind of strange. And this almost look, you know, he looks like a um, a bag man in a sense. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, th this clearly has to be like some kind of, and like just, just like with, with the way I guess some of the dress is. Like, let's just zoom in just a little bit more quickly. Um. Like some of this almost looks like frayed, right? Like, uh, is, is this like, um, like, is this like a, a pattern or is this like frayed material? Mm -hmm. Um, right. Um, yeah. And like, come to think of it, like you said that, you know, Fuji takes a backseat. I didn't even think of Fuji. Like that kind of like didn't cross my mind until I, I was reminded, oh yeah, this is 36 views of uh, Mount Fuji. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, same thing here. Like clearly, you know, we're playing with backgrounds, right. And, uh, 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 Fuji just belongs in the back here, and you you have like what seems like a horizon line, right? I mean, yeah, but a, but a like a 
very, very uh, a, a curve, gently curved yeah, horizon yeah. line, you know, yeah. um, which again, it didn't, it didn't happen all that much in Western art, yeah. uh, you know, prior to this. Yeah. That's hmm. interesting. Um, Mount Fuji. Oh, here we go. <laughs> that's the first thing I'm doing now. Like, okay, where's Mount Fuji? And then we could sort of like situate ourselves. Um, we'll just see. We're uh, on board a boat right now. Is that what yeah. we are? We're, like, people, yeah, we're like and, in it. And people perhaps trying on a bridge to, on a bridge. Yeah. It looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And people trying to get on it. Maybe this is where the boats might depart. Um, yeah. Again, Mafuji's uh, has become red. Is this impressionistic? Yeah. Is is this like uh, you know the the fire of like you know the sun at a certain time of day? Same thing with the tree, right? You might have to do the mm -hmm. same reading. And I mean, well, clearly, I mean, there's like also the horse, right? So it's not just all purely uh, uh, logical, right? I mean, these are still also prints. They have like commercial sort of. Uh, qualities but like in the back like it's interesting like this almost looks like it's supposed to be grass but i mean it, it can't be right it has to be trees mm -hmm. um now all those trees are are, are uh missing right um and you know he, here like it's it's, it's kind of weird like like here clearly this is grass right you know th this like impressionistic like single stroke grass but here it's like single stroke street trees right so like it's kind of like saying like you know by the logic of perspective, right? I could use the same exact technique here as I could down here, but you also get the sense that there is like something like, you know, going on here that is like, um, you know, that, that, that maybe invites more, more uh, uh, discussion in terms of like how, you know, perspective actually is played with, because this to me almost seems like grass, right? Simply because we have so much grass here that looks the same. Yeah, agreed. All right. Um, oh, Mount Fuji is like, wow. It's like, it's, it's like, it's almost like it's, it's so much smaller than the shoreline. Right. Assuming that shoreline or right. maybe it's supposed to be something else. Um, it's a variation, uh, back there. Yeah. I remember this one, you yeah. know, the, re the reflection, but not, as you yeah. would see it yeah exactly yeah and it, like even the the reflection with the snow much more snow capped in the reflection than it is in yeah the, yeah yeah i mean th that make that makes sense and the, yeah depending on like I'm, I'm sure we've seen this all the time like you come up to a puddle of water anywhere or if you're hiking or even just like on the street somewhere just on the sidewalk um uh, the reality reflected there, like it's going to often look pretty different because it, it, it's not uh, it's not subject to the same kind of light that you would see, you know, looking in from your vantage, right? So, yeah. um, you know, we we this this could be just like a pure kind of like not much snow, maybe no snow at all, kind of like summer sort of thing. But clearly, you know, this is not the case, and the only way you know is is because of uh, um, you know the the fact that it's a reflection. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, same here, more of the red. Not too much to say. I interesting variations on leaves once more. This is a little bit different from what he did, even in the more kind of circular leaves that he would adopt. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed uh, this particular print. I mean, um, you know, anything that you have, like just a couple of uh, figures, right? The uh, uh, water being done, again, differently from anything else thus far. Uh, you have the, um, the, the, uh, th this thing becomes like water, right? Um, it's not, it doesn't really look like just like, or maybe it is missed. Maybe I'm just kind of misreading it. Um, but, um, just like new, new variations of what he did before. Mm -hmm. Another, I assume snow kind of, um, mm -hmm. scene. Or, or maybe it's just the illusion of a snow scene, right? You could theoretically have go high enough and have, you know, a uh, mist that's sort mist of, you cloud, know, yeah. yeah, this has to be pretty high because you see the, the um, you know, you, you see the, the, the village uh, below. Yeah. yeah. Another little uh, uh, village. Um, mm hmm The oh, cranes here, yeah. yeah, yeah, and deep blue on the mountain this time, yeah. Always like he he has like nice like refractions with like um you know he he re he recycles color in interesting ways. Mm -hmm. uh, what are these things? Are these just like rocks? Um, oh, but you just look how up close how nice that is, right? Um, yeah, how how clean it is. It just I mean just just like down down here just to get even closer. Like just, just, just the the barest kind of, you know, um, and that that's enough, like to make a rock, right? That's all you need. Mm -hmm. Too bad it's a little low, low resolution. Um, yeah. Mount Fuji is just essentially the the water at this point. More work scenes. Yeah, more workers. Uh, I think it's the first time we're seeing smoke. That's a nice way of, of almost like, uh, you know, shells. Well, yeah, and those those look like Van Gogh's swirling lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Same, same kind of treatment. Yeah. yeah. It all adds up to the same in the end. We all end uh, with post-impressionism. <laughs> It could, you know, it could, uh, you know, it could be winter. It could be, um, well, I'm, I'm not sure maybe because there's too much vegetation, but, uh, you know, we get this kind of like evergreen quality in a lot of the, um, a lot of the vegetation, I guess, uh, in the region. Um, same thing back here. We have these like little, like imagine just perspective, right? We have these like very little bits of grass right here. And further on, like they're almost like engulfing the, the house right um and they're sort of like engulfing the house here and uh um you know you don't even get to see what's happening in mount fuji you know more of that technique right here we're going to have a uh, pink sort of blossoms mm -hmm. oh that's an inter interesting one right this is right yeah workers again talk Looks like he's tossing to each other. Hmm. And like, look at that pile of uh, wood or ba bamboo, presumably bottom left, just little yeah. rectangles, you know, yeah. nothing else to it. Yeah. So those guys, like it's perfectly valid to use like Euclidean geometry in the arts. Okay. Like we're not, 
You know, we, we have not ever truly gone past Euclidean space and we shouldn't. Um, I am a firm believer, believer in Euclidean space. Where is Mount Fuji in this one? I don't even see it. Yeah. Let's see. Mount Fuji has <clears throat> transcended. What if, what if this is Mount Fuji? Yeah, I was going to say, are we on Mount yeah. Fuji? Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of very in terms of variations, like eventually you would need this, and like you sort of get hints by this because the the only land uh, so far that is this rocky and this red and these um, prints uh, tends to be uh, Mount Fuji. So, you know, this this must be it. And what what about this? Is this um is that supposed to be like water of some sort that's rushing, or snow, or um you know mist? Missed, maybe yeah I, I don't know either way like whatever this is this is yet again like a new way of showing water mist or snow whatever um mm -hmm. <clears throat> so mm, interesting kind of yeah. bolder with just the straight use of straight line mm -hmm. there um yeah and like like you you, you have you have like you know um uh, something to center you here like you you have like the, the straightness like uh, running through Mount Fuji and then you have this like you know mist or whatever this line down the middle but everything is kind of running a diagonal against those two against like the horizon line and against um, this this kind of like centering line like in the middle of um, of the print Mm -hmm. And also, like, you know, you, you look at the water itself, right? It's it's doing the same, like, everything, right? Like, look, look at the fields, right? Um, right. The fields are sort of cross-hashing into diagonals, crashing as diagonals. Mm -hmm. You have the water, like, in diagonals, right? Uh, running against, you know, the the uh, uh, other part of the water, which is, like, you know, uh, uh, horizont running horizontally. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, all, all the people here individually, right, kind of, like, you know, not truly like parallel with each other in that way. Um, yeah. It's, it's is, a nice it's, like setup. Yeah. These are like figures carrying other figures in yeah. the water as well. That's, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know what that is about, but even before you yeah. get to the content, there's like a lot to say about this kind of setup. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uh, uh, you zoom in. You zoom in in this high enough, and it's pointillism, right? Yep. But uh, here, you know, being put to actual use, right? There's there's a utility to this pointillism here. Um, say, you know, whether it's here or whether it's like literally like this is how we're going to show shadow and vegetation on these rocks or whatever it is, or if this is supposed to be, you know, you know, tree cover itself still. Um, <clears throat> you you could see it go uh, in 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 either way. Wow! Like, what's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> no, like like number forty six. What are we doing here? <laughs> maybe, maybe we should have read. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna just just out of curiosity. What happens if I keep? Oh, this last one it doesn't let me click anymore. Yeah, this is okay. Good. <laughs> Okay, so so um, I lost my temper for no reason, right? I have to I have to be mindful and kind. Um, um, all right, so <clears throat> last one. We better have something to say. Well, this this one 
I find this one quite beautiful, actually, just in uh, the deep blue to green. And uh, like I'm assuming these are, you know, nearer foothills or mountains shrouded mm-hmm. in mist. Uh, but then like the border of those with the waves uh, on the, uh, like, it's just kind of an interesting representation. Like it's all, um, once again, like the planes are, are like too flat, like perspective has been flattened on us here mm-hmm. in certain ways. But yeah. Um, yeah, and then like the, we're pretty close, you know, here. I mean, at that peak of Mount Fuji in the middle of those is, uh, it's not too far away at this point. Yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, like, you know, new variations on, on mist, right. This is a new way of doing it. The fact that here, like, uh, I think for the first time it's, it's uh, not just like the shape, but like it's, it's a very kind of like hard outline, you know, reddish mist that still has this kind of like fluffy quality. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he would reserve like previous, like sort of hard line, uh, mist to, you know, those like deep kind of like, uh, horizontal lines that he would do. Um, but you know, here's another way, like, yeah, like you said, um, you know, in the back, we have this thing that's like in some kind of shadow, right? So like, you would have to like stop and think, okay, so if I were going to assume like, you know, logical coloration and logical shadows and logical sunlight, where exactly, you know, is everything like, it's just, yeah. you know, and also you see, you see uh, Mount Fuji in the back where um, li- it's literally like black, right. With the exception of the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, the light must be so bright that it's like literally like lighting up the snow um, and everything else, you know, by, by contrast is just uh, occluded. Right. So, um, you know, uh, and, and again, like, you know, water, water again done in a new way. We have that little bit of pointillism here, but, um, we, we, uh, more so it's like these like streaks one more time. We have like, uh, uh, we have waves that are not fully filled, right. To the extent that, you know, like, a, uh, the color blue could be said to fill a wave and everything else is just, you know, the, the white, uh, reflection. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like very, and just like this, this kind of, you know, like that, that's like the, the, the blue at the very top. Like, what do you think about that? Like, look at that streak. Yeah. Well, he's had that as a consistent motif. Yeah. All the way, uh, all the way through. And then in a couple of the prints yeah. that was also in the water, um, you know, for like these deep blues of the water. So yeah, yeah that, that one's interesting. Cause it's like, I've wondered about that throughout. Um, mm-hmm. Like why, why have that? streak of dark blue at the very top so consistently mm-hmm. um is it a way of like communicating kind of an infinite horizon uh that just goes on and on I mean, yeah it's in almost every one of these yeah yeah and sometimes yeah it it, it drops out i guess um uh i mean me, me bringing it up here is just kind of like it's just much more stark in the sense that um you just have this little bit of like more kind of baby blue below and then suddenly the streak and then you have a mountain that's like the identical color you know what i mean so right. it it really kind of like brings out you know that and just just logically i mean what would that really dark like if the dark blue is as dark as this um mm-hmm. and we know that you know, the lighting must be coming directly from the sun like somewhere from the top right um and we're seeing kind of like the the, the back right um, you know, you, you just wonder like, where would you be positionally? Like, is there anything to, you know, Leonard Schlein's comment about, um, <clears throat> where we are like positioned in, in, um, you know, uh, uh, these Japanese prints as well as like, you know, Chinese landscapes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, uh, I think uh, we're pretty much done with that part. Uh, I mean, do you have like anything uh, to say to to uh, end this? Um, like, do you have anything, any any extras, anything that didn't quite come up? Um, you're just talking about in in this section with the east versus west, or just in general? I mean, just in general, Summary. just like clo closing off uh, uh, order and physics, and just kind of as a capstone to the conversation. Like, are there any like l loose ends? Because I, I have like a couple of things um, mm -hmm. to mention. Yeah. Well, one of my biggest questions after reading this book is a natural one, which we touched on briefly earlier. But that's what comes next. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we we're we're living in the cr the creative moment right now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, so I've been asking myself this question and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm no physicist and I don't think I'm at this point incredibly well up to speed on exactly what is, uh, supposedly coming next in theoretical physics. It seems like a, a unified field theory is still evasive and, uh, and something that, you know, most of the physics community is on the hunt for. You hear about things like gauge symmetry, um, you hear about a multiverse, you hear about, uh, you know, sp space expanding infinitely and faster than the speed of light uh, out the outer reaches and, and what could that mean. So um, I think that right now it's, it's obviously a bit unknown, but talking earlier about could there be going forward using some of the framework in this book, um, the idea that, that maybe artists and physicists could cross-pollinate more or know a little bit more about what might be going on uh, or if you're an artist who's making art you know thinking what has happened up until now with discoveries in in physics mm -hmm. and uh, you know what what could come next uh, you know how how would I represent that how would I envision it um, I think are, are really interesting questions and so that's something I've been thinking on uh, we also talked a little bit about this in our exchange of notes before the show, but Schlein's obviously taking almost entirely a visual arts and, and predominantly painting perspective mm -hmm. on all this. So, you know, what would it look like if we took this lens on literature or if we took this lens on um, photography or film or theater, you know, so, some other kind of, uh, of art form? Mm -hmm. And just see, not that it has to hold up, but would it hold up? You know, that'd be an interesting thing uh, to see if, if it seemed like it sort of did in certain ways or different ways. Um, so, so those are some of my, you know, my thoughts. And then the, maybe the final thing that's coming to mind too is I, I do still think some of this stuff is difficult to articulate. You know, Schlein mm -hmm. talks about art creating like these the organizing of perceptions or, or whatever you want to call it about uh, non, you know, currently pre-verbal or non-verbal concepts for which society doesn't yet have a, a language to talk about. And mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways, I, I'm still not convinced we do have a language to talk about it. You know, and when you start talking about like Einstein's theories of relativity and like, I, I'm still, mired in some of that right like you, you i try to read really carefully through that section of this book which probably mm -hmm. distills it down as much as you could and it, it's still difficult it's it's counterintuitive it's not easy to get your mind around and um you know then it just it just kind of gets worse from there in certain ways when you start talking about you know quantum and and how how minute we're now operating uh like at subatomic levels and this kind of stuff and it you know i just uh I don't know. It, it gets a little bit um, overwhelming, I think, to try to 
to try to mm. think about. And there's not, I don't think great language necessarily to, to talk about it in any kind of direct sense. But again, I would say that's where art, you know, hopefully will continue to come in. Yeah. And yeah, I think part of the difficulty is also the fact that at least for me, <clears throat> you know, using any one particular system, like it has to be a, a lens for some kind of, you know, broader kind of comment. Like, yeah, like I, I think it's great that Leonard Schlein like discovered the kind of, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> I guess a specific idea that, you know, like here's, here's artists who are sort of prefiguring physics. Uh, uh, they are the kind of like, you know, a, 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 a antenna of civilization in that regard. Um, but it's also like a bit of a straitjacket, right? If you, if you try like limit yourself to a purely like physics discussion <clears throat> and you have like, you know, the past 50 years of not, you know, necessarily the clearest directions in physics, uh, no real sense of like the ultimate, like next level discovery or what that even would, would look like. I mean, you know, that, that's the other difficulty, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> using this as a kind of like be all end all system, it definitely would feel like a straitjacket, right? There needs to be yeah. <clears throat> some sort of like a, a broader understanding of, of what's happening. So I guess like maybe um, we could, we could end on, on, on that note. So like, I mean, Leonard Schlein, he does say that, <clears throat> oh, what, what is the phrase that he uses? I think it's something like um, you know, the distant early warning system of the collective thinking of a society, right? So, um, you know, by, by definition, that's going to apply to absolutely, you know, any time in, in history, right? Assuming that Schlein's model here is correct. So, you know, let's apply that to today. Like if art and artists are the distant early warning signal. <clears throat> what exactly have we seen in the last five, 10, 20, 50 years in the arts? Right. That is like presaging, not just like stuff in physics, because we don't even have to make that comment. I, I don't think we can. But, but like what exactly like is art saying about society right now as, as presently constituted, as art as presently constituted, what is that saying about society right now? Um, do, yeah. do you have an answer? Do you have uh, the answer? No, I don't. I don't have the answer. I mean, I, I think that um, I, I, I come back to this question often and I just don't, I don't think that I'm missing much in terms of like what has happened in the past one to three decades. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause that's, that's what I'll ask myself is like, am I, am I just totally missing, uh, you know, some kind of like really important and, and like excellent or great movement that's, that's been occurring, uh, it, you know, in, in literature, in the visual arts and this kind of thing. And I, I just haven't seen it. And I, I consider myself you know, pre pretty damn tuned in on all that stuff. So, um, it hasn't like what you, what you've seen from the past, few decades especially in like painting hasn't really excited me uh, all that much you know I mean it just it just seems like more and more and more uh, you know abex redux uh, mm. uh, most of the time and like this is what gets praised so like uh, you know unless we've got some really excellent painters operating in obscure corners of the world which which we probably do um, but it's just been tough because I, you know, I haven't necessarily seen that work come to the forefront um, 
but but but, yeah. but what, what do you think that art like every everything that we've engaged in even like you know even people like dan or whatever like yeah. what 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 do you think is actually being said about society and the world um you know in the art that's been created you know uh in the last half century or so like do, do you have like any ideas about about that specifically if we're like, we're, we're like using like you know Schlein's model of you know this is the uh, uh you know antenna of, of the human race which is i think it's like an ezra pound quote yeah um i don't have a, a great answer to that i'll i'll just ad lib a little bit here and and say um you know, maybe, maybe what we're seeing is, is like this feeling or the idea that there is, there is still some kind of, uh, like, like deeper structure or, or next, next level of unification or, or dimensionality that, that could happen. Like, so for example, if a thing got someone like Dan, um, you know, and, and like his writing and like the, the largest works that he's undertaken. And a lot of it has um, like created its own little mini cosmos, you know, its own little mm. world where he, he refers back upon himself. It's, it's kind of like a Mobius strip in a way. Um, and, and so I wonder if that's indicative of moving toward, like if we're going to talk about physics, like towards some kind of uni more unified theory of, of, the forces at work in, in the world and in nature. Um, but that's, that's about all I can really say for it at, at this time. Um, I wish I had a better answer. Sorry, I don't, but uh, what about you? Well, I mean, if we're going to use Dan, uh, as an example, uh, I, I, well, he has to be used as an, as an example, right? Because if we think about like great artists, uh, around, uh, like, you know, um, Anyway, uh, so like, 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 like using Dan as an example here, um, we, ha you know, I think having Dan exist, right? It, it, it does say the following about society at a minimum. A, um, society has uh, enough knowledge in the knowledge base and enough possibility for people to like get familiar with this knowledge base. Uh, to be, you know, become great artists or become smart in some way or, you know, uh, uh, fine tune their, their skills in some way, right? There, there is this kind of like base that exists right now that can be used for totally, you know, constructive, revolutionary futures, right? We could think about this in economic terms. We could think about this in terms of like how we might organize things, you know, sociopolitically. Or we could think about this also in purely artistic terms, you know, uh, uh, you know, as far as like making, um, you know, like, like guesses about like, you know, what that future is going to look like. Like, you know, Dan, you know, D Dan's existence does show that, hey, like you can with the resources around you in, you know, the modern world, uh, uh, consume enough of your surroundings to tra transcribe it in in the following way, right? And and we could qualify it in, in all the ways that that you know we would characterize Dan Schneider's at work to be. That would be the, the qualifications. But the fact that that exists and that's possible, and the fact that like literally the only direction that we can uh, go towards is you know the the one that we're going to push for. So um, you know uh, you just you, you just have to uh, keep keep pushing towards your particular set of values here. 
Um, and as, as far as like, you know, using any other examples of, you know, contemporary art to show us what's happening in, in the modern uh, world, um, you know, I, I, I could get stuck on just like the overwhelmingly negative examples because right now that is kind of like the meat of, you know, uh, art in, in the world, right? It's overwhelmingly pretty bad. This, this refers to, you know, uh, visual art. This refers to poetry, especially. Uh, this mm -hmm. refers to, you know, uh, most films, like in any sort of kind of like large industry. Um, and, you know, all, all of that is clearly negative. Like, like the, the fact that you could, like the, fa the fact that you can at any given time go to like a contemporary poetry, like bookstore and 99 out of a hundred books that you pick up, like, you know, it's going to be trash. Like yeah. the fact that's literally, and, and not only is it trash, but it's trash that has been already like, you know, it's been put, it's been put through the so-called fucking fact checkers, right? You know, we have the Twitter fact checkers. Well, the fact checkers in, in publishing look like whoever the old school, you know, intelligentsia is. Did, do you go, did you go to my university? Did you get my M MFA? Do you know the people that I know? Do you think in the way that I think? Do you write in the way that you write? And the answer is yes, maybe you could get published. So they already went through that process that is supposed to be allegedly producing great art at the end of it. And instead, after this process, all we get is this generic shelf full of like absolute fucking nothing, right? So, uh, you know, th th that also says something about society, but I, I'm also interested in like, you know, the fact that I talk about internet culture or whatever, the fact that I even bring up things like, you know, Vic Burger videos, um, uh -huh. you know, the, the fact that I like seek out these like little niches in, 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 in rap, right. That, um, you know, uh, I, I guess most people don't really care for, like, I, I am seeing something like, like I, like something under the surface is very, very unhappy with the kind of chaos that we've engendered. And like a lot of that groundwork is being like put out now, like for that future. So like, again, like we have Dan Schneider, right? Like he says, fuck it. I'll give you a blueprint for understanding the arts. I'll give you a few blueprints and you could adapt it, you know, to your own kind of understanding. I'll give you, you know, uh, 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 hundreds of great poems and I'll give you dozens of great novels and I'll give you all these plays. Um, you know, uh, like this is, this is a kind of like, you know, rebellion against this kind of, you know, I, I'm not sure if I even want to call it chaos. It's just this kind of like long, you know, enduring fucking like nothingness, right? For like a, like a, like a half century of just nothingness and just like uh -huh. sadness, just, j just to watch it. Um, but you, you have, you have like things in some of these niches, like bubbling up against it. And it's not, it's not always like coming out productively. Like when we were texting earlier, I was like, you know, I, I wish rappers like knew when to stop. Like if they have like a good verse, maybe you just have to end the song there, just not go any further. Um, but you know, some of those niches and some of those like things are done well. Like it just tells me like like there 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 is like some kind of rebellion here, and, and it's hard to quite you know at any given time. Like that's true for anybody, right? It, it's hard to exactly quantify and qualify what that looks like. But I, I just kind of see it in, in the background a little bit. Yeah. Well, I I will say that you have to. We talk about this even in. Uh artifact number one, right? You have to trudge on. I mean, you've got to continue to look for, uh, for seeds that can, that can grow into something better. And I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that maybe that's, uh, the issue is, is that like, there is every bit of access in the world now to 
to, to great prior artists and art. Um, there are certain, you know, filters that you can run it through, whether that's Cosmoetica, whether that's your, uh, you know, your site, whether it's uh, maybe a, a few others out there that, you know, that they can give a potential budding artist a lot to work with. And, and mm. so that's all out there. I mean, it, it, it exists and that's encouraging. Um, you know, what maybe what's discouraging is the, the general lack up to this point. But I mean, I, I do, I think brighter days are ahead. I mean, I, I think you have yeah. to go forward thinking yeah. that, you know, um, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep on working on my stuff, you know, and, and try to improve it and make it better. And, uh, you will too. And, and so on. So, yeah. uh, I, I think that we can get there eventually. Um, and, and these things do go in cycles. So that's been another thing that's encouraged me a little bit is thinking like, well, if we've cycled down for quite a while now, uh, you know, it's, it's time yeah. to cycle up. I mean, it, it'll happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and when you say like getting there, like I take that to mean, you know, just like a new cycle of, you know, great art, not even necessarily right. like, you know, that the percentage is so crazy that suddenly like 50% of the art is suddenly good. No, it's no, just no. that we have like, you know, uh, you know, dozens of great painters to look at, dozens of like great musicians. I, I think music especially has been the most telling. Like when I was talking to uh, Keith, I mean, he was like, um, you know, he, was, he, he once said something like, I, you know, we haven't had music in the last couple of decades that are just kind of like seminal, like music of a generation. The closest that you've had is like, you know, some, some hip hop albums. Mm -hmm. um, and to the extent that like, you know, something like radio had, okay, computer captures, you know, a, a certain zeitgeist. I mean, the zeitgeist that, you know, radio had captures is a kind of like, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of like in a more negative sense than I think Radiohead fans, uh, you know, would would want to think. So, I mean, mm -hmm. um, getting there, like th that, that's what getting there means to me. It's just it's just starting, you know, the next leg of the cycle. I mean, that that's all that you could hope for, and just just and just know like where you are in the cycle, and know what you're there to do, what you're there to contribute to, um, you know, if, if anything. Yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, thank you for um, watching and we'll see.